0: Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, we, What? The Comics Podcast, for the Savage Critics website. Episode 74 was supposed to be the two-hour wrap-up to Graham McMillan and I answering your questions, then a little project called Before Watchmen got announced, and we became heavily sidetracked. For the first 80 minutes, we talked Watchmen, Before Watchmen, Multiversity, Darwin Cook, Amanda Connor, Len Wein, John Higgins, Dave Gibbons, and the mighty sleeveless one himself, Alan Moore. It's the conversation you've been having with yourself in your head, for weeks now, in one convenient podcast format. Then, for the next 40 minutes, we also answer readers' questions, all five of them. But in doing so, we also end up discussing Batman Leviathan, Mike Byrne and Steve Root's Nexus, Jack Kirby's Machine Man, books we regret recommending, The Drops of God, Earth X, Fantastic Four, the original Micronauts, Chris Claremont's last storyline on Kenny X-Men, and much more to continuing to answer the current round of questions well into the mid-21st century, and we thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to Before
1: Wait What, the latest in our brand new series of prequels to
0: well-known comics podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Who would be the creative team for Before Wait What? Uh, it's Scott Lobdell and Brett Booth, obviously. Oh, nice! Very well played, sir. Very well played. <laughs> uh, yes. Hi. Hello. My goodness. Well, what a busy, crazy day this has been. So, uh, I apologize for calling you so late in the process. But yes, uh,
1: ladies and gentlemen, what you don't know
0: is, as we're taping this, it's midnight.
1: So <laughs> waiting for like seventeen hours. That's right. It's midnight yeah. of the next day. It's actually midnight of next week. When you hear this on Tuesday, oh, we haven't I... recorded it yet <laughs> because I'm still waiting as you listen to this
0: for Jeff to call. Oh, there is, there is somebody wants to be Doctor Who just so badly.
1: <laughs> I, the reason I'm giving Jeff such shit, dear listeners, is that he's like five minutes late. <laughs> A little more than that.
0: He's being very kind, listeners. But yeah, I'm I'm running later than I had planned, which just is the way these days always come together um but you know i had the best of intentions um did, did it work sort of like sort of um we'll see yes actually getting getting the uh project x set up initially worked um but uh then there's a uh, project x part two which is taking all the stuff from one thing and moving it over to another thing which I will not have much time to do and when I basically um, threw Project X at Edie and was like, okay, I gotta go, please handle this, she... um, Did she laugh? Because really she should have. Yes, yes she did laugh if by which you mean shoot me a look that could kill like, oh, she was not
1: happy. Could Project X not just wait until like tomorrow?
0: No, not really. I mean maybe it could if you know it's I I've had to wait on project X basically since yesterday. So today was the first day and in considering I'm going to be at the day job tomorrow for like 10 plus hours.
1: That's when you do project X.
0: I don't know, man. I don't know. I this is this is a delightful theory. I wish that I could back that up with actual facts. Let's just say we're on our way, and I think it will soon be smooth sailing. I cannot believe how cryptic this sounds. It sounds like I'm getting ready to rob a bank, but uh, <laughs> but you are right. God, Graham, Jesus! I am supposed to throw people off. All right, so, no, but sp- think
1: about it. Because of the time weirdness. No, 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 True. when we're recording this. That's so right. There's probably, I mean, in San Francisco, there's probably going to be at least seven
0: banks, Rob, <laughs> between now and when this goes live. Man, this is, I swear to God, this is how, like, a Silver Age Flash story started. I, sw- I can feel the little <laughs> finger caption just pointing at me right now.
1: You know how it actually starts? It starts with Barry Allen running as the Flash, and it goes, you've probably always wondered what those wings on the side of his ears are.
0: They're earphones, so you can listen
1: to comics podcasts. <laughs>
0: We've we've got to get you doing the uh, the photoshopping of the caption pages, Graham. I think that would be a huge hit. Um, let me make sure. Hold on a second. Speaking of looks that can kill. Everything okay? Sweet. Are you right? None, none of your. But but not zero one. okay I I, w- I I yes I will help later oh you good all right so where were we
1: uh I re- first of all I think you should edit that out of the finished podcast <laughs> oh because I, Did- I can hear what you're saying it's one yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah. Um, exactly
1: but listeners because you probably wouldn't have heard that it was kind of amazing to listen to <laughs> it's all I'm saying
0: yeah, I, uh, I think you haven't really heard Edie use that tone, per se, before, so...
1: Oh, no, no, I, but I, I, the thing is, I recognize that tone so well, I can completely <laughs> imagine Edie's face when she's using that tone, if that makes yes. sense. Yes. Like, yeah, I, no. I, I can imagine how little joy there is in the uh, Leicester household right now
0: perfectly described, perfectly described. Yes, yes. It's a little far from Christmas morning here, so... Uh, Which is a shame, considering, like, it should yeah. it should feel kind of like Christmas morning. It should be totally awesome, and yeah, but thanks to miracles of, of bad scheduling, it's, in, it's nowhere near. So, yeah, so, speaking of failed Christmas mornings, uh, <laughs> Before Watchmen, hey! Hey, Before Watchmen! I have to ask... Are you completely fucking
1: done with Before Watchmen already, or is it just me? <laughs> yeah, I kind of. I'm yeah, not sure I ever yes. started in a no, way. Yesterday than... made me so cynical about everyone and everything. Uh-huh. I was just like, <laughs> all of you can fuck off and die. Everyone can just shut the fuck up. It, right. Like, it, oh, everything and everything about it, like with the exception of like David brothers' post and fourth letter which I thought was really remarkably spot-on, just in terms of not demonising either side,
2: mm-hmm.
1: if that makes sense. Or demonising either side enough, I guess. Right. Um, like, just seeing people pick sides has made me want to destroy the comic industry. <laughs> really, I swear to God, I, I, I'm just... I'm done. I really like... It took maybe two hours... For me, reading the announcement and being like, "Oh shit," to just wanting everyone, like wanting to magically remove it from everyone's minds.
0: Yes, yes, I see what you're saying here. You're you're sort of saying that you sort of want to 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 one more day.
1: Uh, yes, I want time. to. I want to. Zatanna in Identity Crisis
0: is out. <laughs> I understand. I understand. It was just—I uh, don't yeah. know. I,
1: I mean, and you know what it really was? It's seeing it continue today, and seeing the straw man arguments on both sides, like become ridiculous. It has now become DC can do whatever they want mm-hmm. because they own the book and they haven't done anything wrong because the contract was legally sound when everyone signed it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Versus. Everyone who even thinks that Before Watchmen could be readable is a talentless whore.
2: <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck? What? Oh, oh,
1: it's just, it's just crazy. And I don't know, it's one of those times where I'm like, I should stop reading comments, I should stop reading Twitter. I, you know, this is just going to make me dislike humanity.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would have to say that that before Watchmen has proven to be the um, feel bad about humanity uh, announcement of the year. I think I don't really think anyone's managed to escape. Sort of. Um, I I I have to say I read it with this weird the announcement with such a weird commingling of um, relief. And sort of uh, uh, disappointment, you know? Because um, I really was. I, like, looked at it, and I'm like, oh, this is great. I really don't have to read any of these. Like, <laughs> but, Jeff, you never had to read any of them the Well, place. but you know what I mean. You know, Of course, absolutely. Although, I don't know, Graham, I think you're overplaying the, the whole concept of free will as we <laughs> believe it to exist That's true. in the comics community. That's true.
1: No, but, but uh, in, so, I mean, I am... Um, I'll probably read the Darwin Cook one. And I'll probably pick up at least the first issue of the Darwin Cook, Amanda Connor one. Because I like them as creators. And I think what right. they do is enjoyable. And also, I'm fascinated by Darwin Cook's comments about the original Watchmen and why he doesn't think it's a masterpiece. Did you see yeah, that?
0: I I Hibbs mentioned it to me. It sounded to me like... That sounded to me, at least what I heard secondhand. Perhaps you can tell me what what he said uh, he, from he, slightly more reliable secondhand. He,
1: he basically said he thinks Watchmen is a great book. He thinks uh, Alan Moore is very talented. He knows where he's coming from. But he can't call it a masterpiece himself because it is so devoid of hope or optimism. And, uh, and as he becomes older, yeah. he, he, he finds himself seeking that out more. Hmm. Well... I don't. I don't necessarily agree with him, but that's okay. Do you? you don't have to agree with him. I've never thought Watchmen is a masterpiece, so like, well, yes, uh, you I know that that's, that you right. shouldn't ask me that. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, because one of the reasons I don't like Watchmen uh-huh. is because it is devoid of, is so devoid of optimism. Like, I I, I I have I have problems
0: with that amount of nihilism. I don't. I don't think that it's without optimism. I, I think its optimism is in, at the end incredibly guarded, I suppose. But you know, I, I I think that there's a lot to be said, arguably, about how Watchmen is very much an argument about perception. I suppose. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that the the key on which uh, things change come very much from from. by the end, I think you're left with sort of a, uh, like a a sort of domino uh, string of potential optimism or despair, depending on how you want to look at it. I mean, does it become an optimistic thing that the world is apparently better and has been strangely rewrited in the face of Ozymandias' choice that he really does save the world? Does it you know the the sort of sort of Damocles that 's hanging there about you know uh Rorschach's journal getting ready to be read does that really does it it's never placed as it being something that happens and you know and again, in a way, the whole big Doctor Manhattan chapter with him on Mars is very much an argument for optimism in the face of um everything. I suppose.
1: What's incredibly funny about hearing you say that is, I don't find the, I don't find the end of Watchmen optimistic in the slightest,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I don't find there being any optimism in the idea that Osamandis has saved the world because I think it's really clear from the book that he hasn't.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Does that make sense? Um... <laughs> like I, 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 my reading of it is very clearly that he has, and best postponed what is being presented as the inevitable and because mm-hmm. he has done it because he's done it the way that he has done it and because Rorschach's diary is out there
2: mm-hmm.
1: that things will get a lot worse very soon which is, which is interesting to me because as you're speaking I'm like "Ha! Huh. me who thinks I'm so optimistic and feels bad about watching being pessimistic and nihilistic is reading in a nihilism that other people are not
0: well, or aren't necessarily. I mean, this is one of the big arguments that I have with Hibs, uh, uh, or used to have, previous to all of this stuff, is, it, is at the end of Watchmen, when it's announced that, you know, the um, out-of-work or the, the, the washed-up cowboy actor R.R. is running for presidency, you know, Moore has, I think, sprinkled enough things throughout to where you can believe that that's Robert Redford or Ronald Reagan you know mm-hmm. and I, I don't think he's necessarily saying like oh one is great and the other one's totally you know going to be horrible although you can look at it either way but i do think that there is a very good case to be made for yes <laughs> you the the the, <laughs> the, the 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 nihilism that you see there i can see why you see it i can see of course why um why cook sees it but I would say that the book itself does make a huge case for, um, perception, you know, that all of these characters, uh, uh essentially have created their own realities and have taken the steps to, um, reinforce them, I suppose, their realities accordingly, <laughs> um, and you get a bit of a glimpse behind the curtain that suggests that, in fact, reality is, you know, a quantum miracle. It's far more complex than than we can ever know.
1: I almost want to stop this podcast there because I love the light in reality as a quantum miracle so much. We're we're we've peaked. This podcast is never going to get better than that light.
0: Uh, that is very kind of you, but uh, but uh, I, I think actually it peaked earlier when you had that very lovely quote about the, the first issue of Casanova 3.1, I think. So, oh, God, I can't even remember what I... You can You said it! It's the whole, you know, born of something... <laughs> See, something you can't remember like, either. No, let, just let, let's just go through miracle because that's a lovely line. Well, thank you. I think I, I you know, pretty much swiped it for more, so... But, you know, anyway, so my point being between Cook, that, that statement that I heard from Cook, and the amazing comment from Azzarello, uh, and, as well as uh, um, a really interesting comment from Dave Gibbons.
1: Oh, the Dave, <laughs> Dave Gibbons one of the press release. I am stunned they put into the press release, because it is so... I do not believe in this one bit, but, I, you know, they have a gun to my head. I... It totally is! <laughs> it's like, why, why are you letting him say this? Why did you put this in your press release? <laughs> Holy mother of God! I mean, I know why, because they obviously need someone to say, like, something. one of the two to yeah. say, you know, this is not the worst idea in the world, but it's yeah. such a bad line! It's such a bad line! <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, there's a quote to inspire and rally the troops, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I was not necessarily knocked out. And Azarello's thing was where he's like, it's been 25 years, let's make these characters vital again. I was like wow really boy i don't like you at all i, I so.
1: i'm kind of i find that hilarious and i find the idea that especially the identity on jim lee quotes with like let's make these characters relevant because then you're like you're doing it before Watchmen, so you're that means you're basing it in like the early 80s the the late 70s like you're making this you're making these characters relevant by setting it 40 years ago
0: well, but even the sad fact of the matter is, to me, that this is what every, the mark that everyone seems to miss is, at least if you're going to go by sales, um... Watchmen is still relevant. It, yeah, is, is among the most relevant properties they've had for about 20 years now. You know, as long as the United States is going to be a fucked up morass, um, you know, it's going to be relevant. Like, it's, you know... So, the idea that they're doing it, that they're approaching it sort of the same way, with the same language that they approach their Superman revamp or their new 52 boot, just makes me think that, um...
1: It, it, just, it, it doesn't make you feel good about anything.
0: Yeah, it, just, what, it strikes an impressively
1: wrong... The moment. announcement was just so horribly handled. I mean, there's nothing in the announcement... Beyond the identity of the creators, right. depending on how you feel about those creators, to make you think this is a good idea at all. Right. Like the reasoning of we, you know, like it's our job as publishers to make thing, keep things being relevant completely falls apart when you think of all the genuinely good ideas that DC has mm-hmm. that they haven't touched in 25 years or longer mm-hmm. that they mm-hmm. can reboot.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's
1: like if that's really your job, then I mean, fuck, put Sugar and Spike on Cartoon Network.
0: Right, oh right yeah, Do you yeah. know what I mean? I think like, actually you mentioned that Something like that in your blog app post Yeah, I said something like
1: "sugar, sugar, been the high school years Or something like that But then, <laughs> no, I mean there, You know, there's all these Like DC properties that are lying around mm-hmm. That they could do something with And so going back to Watchmen Which And I'm, I have such ambivalence About the circumstances Surrounding the creation of Watchmen But Watchmen was not created As an ongoing property In the way that yes. lots of other things were yes agreed Um, and so saying you know we're going to choose this one I think it's it takes willful ignorance to a whole new level Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean you almost expect that the press release to have a second part where they're like okay we admit it it's all about the money
0: right do you know
1: what I mean like because by not mentioning that at all in the Mm -hmm. press release by not saying anything like it's our most successful book ever yeah then, then it beca- like that becomes really obvious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just I, I thought the the announcement was was so horribly, horribly, horribly done. and yeah. the, the the exclusive interviews, quote unquote, that are on all the websites. Mm-hmm. I I am I, again that was horribly, horribly done. I mean, seeing Wired, for example, actually in their headline called the dreaded Watchman sequel in their headline. <laughs> There really was <laughs> a moment of DC have to, and then they link to it on the DC blog as well. <laughs> You're like, someone somewhere is getting
0: their ass handed to them for this, right? Because
1: right. this has been handled terribly.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the <sighs> it's uh, it's 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 been uh, it's been good for Rich Johnston. Let's put it that way. Oh yeah, he's you know? he's
1: done great.
0: I mean oh, he really yeah. has and I don't
1: think he's gotten nearly enough credit for basically mm-hmm. having the story back when everyone, myself included, was like there's no fucking way DC's gonna do that. They're not that stupid. And right. then holding on to it for so long and having the yeah. art and everything. I mean he yeah. he did a great job.
0: Yeah, yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, um
1: and also I think that a lot of uh comics news media, no names, no pack drill, um have embarrassed themselves with everything following the announcement interesting really? and I, I'm not going to expand on it because okay. I work for a lot of people <laughs>
0: <laughs> right exactly so many fingers to point Yeah. Exactly. so
1: many hands to bite I think that um, I think that a lot of the follow-up mm-hmm. posts and responses um have been rushed and almost purposely devoid of I don't want to say op-ed, but purposely devoid of viewpoint,
0: if that makes sense oh yeah, yeah, yeah yeah. no, I think, and I think hmm I think that there's a way in which you I mean this stuff is just like slurry you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how else to think of it. It really is like, I remember when the new 52 hit, you know, it was kind of that thing of like, well, you know, good for the websites, you know, cause it's kind of that thing of like, suddenly people are actively logging in and checking up and yes. reading the follow-ups and all that sort of stuff. So it seems to me there is kind of that idea of like, yeah, you start off by announcing this project you know, and then you start moving in the directions. It's I think it's hilarious that that Rich is moving in this direction of like, well, let's look at the ethics of this now. You know, and it was just like, oh, what you know, because he, I mean, he was ahead of the curve in terms of talking about this project. He doesn't necessarily have much else. Where else to go in that vein? So now he can like sort of fan the opposite sides of the flames. But I mean, it's...
1: The, the ethics post is actually really interesting. First of all, because he did it way back when, like it's it's mm. at least a month old. Mm. Um, it's a repost of something that he did before anyone knew it was called "Before Watching." Um, but but th- I want to see something like that. If that makes sense, I want to see someone taking a serious look. Maybe not at the ethics. But all the... Like, seeing so much invective being thrown around yesterday... I hmm I just wanted, I wanted someone to stand up and be like, first of all, you all need to calm down. Right. But also, let's actually really address these issues. Like, seeing people yesterday say, you know, why aren't these creators doing their own things instead of, you know, desecrating Alan Moore's memory... It's like first right. of all, Immers isn't dead, and secondly, they have all of yeah. these people, with the exception of Len Wein and right. John Higgins, have yeah. done creator-owned work or or their own choice of work. I mean, Parker, you know, uh, Darwin Cook's Parker is not creator-owned, but I mean, it's quite clearly what he wants to do, and he's not right. doing he's not doing it for the money, for want of a better way of putting because you know he could do DC uh, the New Frontier for the rest of his career and be much much successful. Um, And that seems to be completely ignored, do you know what I mean? There's this idea that because the creators have agreed to do this, that they're selling out, or that it inherently has no artistic value. Something I see being brought up by both sides is, well, Alan Moore did the same thing with Lee of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and yes, but that had artistic value. The implication being, Before Watchmen doesn't, which you can't say because it's not out yet like what if these comics are somehow magically fantastic and admittedly you've got jms involved they're not going to be but you know what i'm saying i think i think you're rushing to judgment to say these are inherently artistically valueless and it feels it feels weirdly it feels like both sides are trying to have both sides of the argument if that makes sense yes i feel there's so much hypocrisy going on on both sides that there's no real attempt to engage the fact that this is a
0: ridiculously complex issue. Uh, yeah. I, I guess it's a ridiculously complex issue. I mean... <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but... Okay, why is it not a ridiculously complex issue? Uh, uh, um...
0: Uh... Let me see. Why? Um... To, to, for me, it's kind of a... Well, I guess for me, there, there is a way in which I find it um, incredibly ethically challenged on the part of DC to put this stuff out. And therefore, while I don't necessarily think of any of these freelancers as, well, I don't know, scabs or hacks, I do think that perhaps, um, I, I think perhaps they're being a little cavalier. Uh, about you know someone else's um, desires for the product on which they're working so you know I mean that's
1: sure but I, but there's there's you know A DC does own the rights whether they own the rights morally mm-hmm. or or not they legally own the rights. DC is a publisher that exists to make money.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So which I think makes it all the important to which, the degree to which this is supported by creators. I mean, because those guys, ironically enough, I say that in, in you know, uh, about a company where three-fifths of the top personnel are actually involved in creating monthly comic books. But in theory, they can't do it on their own, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. I suppose they could, actually. They could have Jeff Johns write and Jim Lee draw and Dan DiDio uh, edit. You know their little before Watchmen stuff, mm-hmm. but I, I guess for me, there's just something that's kind of we. I've always felt kind of weird about um, people remaking or sequelizing stuff um, in in context where the creator's still alive, and they're like, "That is not something that I want you to do." You know, like Steve Gerber, when he was alive, was really profoundly unhappy about the fact that Jonathan Lethem was doing Omega the Unknown. Mm-hmm. And I don't but, know to what extent they sort of reached any kind of um, agreement or consolidation on that, you know. I have the strange but, feeling that they did. I, I
1: might be misremembering, but I seem to remember that Lethem was so upset by that mm-hmm. that he reached out and they, they came to some sort of agreement. But at I, the same time, I, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. Mm-hmm. But do you not think that the reaction to Watchmen has been so much more over the top than it was to Omega the Unknown? Uh, like I, uh... I, I feel, I feel like they are on a similar level, and yet the reaction is completely
0: different. Well, sure, because 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 Watchmen is really huge.
1: No, also- exactly, but. That's Uh why I I, I feel that everyone's overreacting. I guess is what I'm saying. Well, I I, think their overreaction not actually addressing any of the real issues.
2: Mm.
0: Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Again, I get very I get very confused as to what you mean by that because I do think that um, it's it's easy for me to to have both sides be sort of like, again, the the real issue is is that if you see, if you believe that DC has the quote-unquote right to publish these things, then, you know, I I guess that's your view? Like, I don't know. I, I, I think, I, I see your point, and I feel like I'm just sort of putting my foot in my mouth. Well, here. no, I know, because I'm, I'm the same, because I'm completely conflicted about this. So, like, my one of my favorite movies of all time and I don't know to what extent you know this or I've discussed this is like uh, John Woo's The Killer you know which is an absolutely top notch amazing you know Hong Kong action film from the very late 80s uh, that really turned me from somebody who goes in, goes to movies to someone who is actually a fan of movies and, like, a, I don't know how to describe it, like a student of movies, you know? And it drove me crazy back then when it was announced that uh, Walter Hill was had been, you know, sort of signed to do... to sort of produce the American remake of The Killer. And for... Years, what would happen is you'd have a variety of people, you know, fresh new indie directors um, would talk about how they would get called into Hollywood. Um, you know, Robert Rodriguez after El Mariachi, I seem to remember, but, but also other dudes who were like, yeah, they sat me down and were like, we'd really like you to do the remake of The Killer. And the person's like... I see no reason for this to exist. Like, mm-hmm. I, it's just going to make me look bad, and it seems well, no, yeah, like a mistake. And yes. I was always incredibly grateful to those people for doing that, because honestly, in theory, at some point, you get enough people lined up, and then the next thing you know, you're watching The Killer with, you know, Denzel Washington and, um, bleh, I don't know, John Lithgow directed by, you know, Antoine Fuqua or something like that. And <laughs> you're not... N- nobody ends up happy as a result of that situation, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, except, except some... Except Walter right Hill. Money men. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Walter yeah. Hill and the people who bought the rights who were like that, well, you know, fucking A, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. So, for me, it, it is. I do have these very weird feelings about about Before Watchmen where it's like, yeah, I'm sure those people have... There are reasons for doing it, and like I said, I'm vastly relieved that out of all the people that are there, because I'm sort of writer oriented, I can, I can complete. It's so easy to write off, you know, Brian Azarello and J. Michael Straczynski, which leaves essentially so little left that I'm like, okay, and then I just skip that and I'm done. Exactly, you know? it's
1: like, yeah, or, or after that, is Darwin Cook and uh, Len Week yeah. really worth signing
0: on for? Yeah, no, Right, yeah, so. exactly, exactly. This way I kind of get to keep my, you know, feelings of, of self-righteousness, you know, knowing that I'm probably looking over what probably will be some not very good books. So, like I said, certain amount of relief when I looked at that announcement, and yet I do admit there was that complete, perverse... Like, oh man! Just think if they had gotten blank, blank, and blank, blank. You know, really? Because I, 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 I'm wasn't... sure I'm, I know there's some. Well, because I
1: know you know somewhere, you know. know somewhere there's a uh, if they had blah blah and blah blah doing it, I'd have to yeah.
0: pick it up. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would think, yeah, exactly. If there was a, if it was for me, just this huge murderer's row, I would be like, okay, I, I've got to pick this up. But you know, but I don't think that they're exactly going to be having. You know Brandon Graham, Wright, and Jeff Darrow draw. You know the the Doctor Manhattan. You know six issue miniseries. So I'm probably safe. Seeing
1: Brandon Graham's comments on Twitter about this project, I think you're probably right.
0: Right. Well, and like (laughs) I said, I feel I feel that there's a certain amount of. I think that's good. I kind of think that that holds the line. You know, I just I don't know. I don't necessarily trust. any of those creators who have signed on, you know, to be, quote-unquote, inherently good, and frankly, I'm a little, I probably think, slightly less of them. Not to the point of, like, oh, they're scabs, but yeah, I don't, you know. Like it's, it's, a, it's, it's really yes. weird for me, because I actually think less of all of them as well,
1: and I i am not the biggest fan of Watchmen. Right. Um, I'm not particularly invested in Watchmen as a sequel or a franchise one way or another, to be honest with you. Right. In, from a story point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do. I, I'm kind of like, huh. I don't know. For some reason, I do think less of them for Green to do. But at the same time, Cook and Connor are people that I am curious enough to want to mm-hmm. check it out. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, or at least Cook is. And, and I think Cook and Connor would be mm-hmm. an interesting pairing. Um, yeah. But I just, I'm really, 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 really conflicted about this. In part because, even though I think less of Cook for doing this, for some reason, I also think that he has enough integrity that there has to be something more than a cash grab involved. At least from his point of view. JMS and azrael have not in the slightest. I think they have shown themselves quite happy to sell out in the past.
0: Right, right. Uh, well, for well, you know, the to to next thing, quote-unquote. To, to me, I also... I mean, let's put it this way. I think that everyone's got slightly different motivations. I see Azarello as, yeah, he, you know, has... You know, it's a big check, and he does not probably hold Watchmen in very high regard. It's not his sacred idol so he's not worried about it you know and J. Michael Straczynski I see him being the sort of guy who would be very excited to do this project because he very much believes that he has something to say I mean the fact that he's mistaken you know is you know the cornerstone of J. Michael Straczynski's career I think in comics you know <laughs> Um, but but I sort of get it. I I can sort of see where everyone's coming at from the extent that they're coming. Even Len Wein, I can even see where Len Wein is kind of doing it in a way. Um, but you know, with with not quote unquote cynical intentions, you know. But the other thing um, is fascinating
1: for me is I can't get too outraged at this because they already made the movie, and I feel like I used up all of my outrage during the movie.
0: Yeah, I think, Does that make I think sense? something
1: to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of know. like, why are people really that upset? They did a movie and they did tie-in video games and toys. Right. Like, right. Uh, if anything should have been a sign, mm-hmm. that should have been it, I guess. Right. But even then, I still <laughs> didn't think they were ever going to do a, a comic sequel.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, that's still a surprise, but at the same time, I feel that Watchmen has become a franchise as of the movie.
0: Mm-hmm. Mhm. Right, right, exactly. Exactly. Um you know, I personally think that uh the the best thing that we've got going is no matter what anyone else says for for better and for worse, um the fans curate history. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like ultimately if this ends up being amazingly awesome then people will remember it and recirculate it and it will continue to do whatever the hell it's supposed to do you know otherwise my my main worry is is that at some point it, it may just sort of toxify watchmen you know for hopefully not forever like you know it the the i thought the movie did some damage to the book i was going
1: to say i don't think anything can do worse than the movie
0: well i i, see, I, I genuinely don't I I sort of would like to agree with you but I kind of I don't necessarily feel that way because of what we were sort of talking about a few weeks ago Watchmen part of what's great about Watchmen is it's just the one book You know, the number of people that the fact that you could turn around and you could hand it to someone who didn't read comics and they would be like, here, you just have to read the one book. And everyone who goes into libraries all over the world, you know, it's it's like, huh, I'm interested in Watchmen. There it is. Once you've got Watchmen and before Watchmen, and again, they're on the library shelf. I think that's the thing that, that bothers me. It's one thing when the movie... You know, comes and and leaves its like sticky fecal residue all over everything. But you know, time and tide sort of washes that away because it's not shelves right next to Watchmen the book. But mm-hmm. you know, I do think that it's a, a shame that 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 we will look at a situation where. The libraries of course are going to be like before watchmen everyone's going to want to want that let me order these what the hell do you think it's going to be two trades three trades
1: oh like no it's it's um because the structure really reminds me of seven soldiers right so i think it's, it's going to be collected the same so that's probably going to be like four or five trades
0: right so then you get four or five trades out of it plus you know whatever essentials or what you know um Ultimate uh, format stuff That they do and I, I just I sort of You know I I think that's kind of a drag You know the thing that I think is interesting Is that back in the old days back when it was Just the fans it was kind of You know you would just forget About it you know the truly Shitty stuff ended up but being it,
1: forgotten it, Is that not going to happen anyway I mean has, have people not more or less forgotten About uh, Dark Knight Strikes again did was Dark? Did Dark Knight Strikes Again really, really hurt Dark Knight Returns? Because I, I, I think it, I think it was forgotten.
2: Sure, sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, I o- occasionally dredged back up in a, hey, it's time for the you know this month's critical reevaluation of Dark Knight Strikes Again. Sure. But I think for the most part, it's been forgotten, and I think Dark Knight Stri- uh, Returns has remained the singular work. And I think that's ultimately what's going to happen with this. I think these yeah. comics, unless they are. Unless everyone brings a quality of work that is far and above what they have previously done, Mm -hmm. I think this will ultimately be a really short-term blip. Yeah. And I think Watchmen will be fine. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why? Oh, God, what's his name? Uh, Caleb mm, Mozaku? Mm-hmm. You know who I'm talking about? I think so. Who's, where's he blog at? I uh, Robot 6 now. 6. Yeah, he, okay. he used, he used right. to be blog at, yeah. and now it's Robot 6. Um, he had a great point, which was the people who are going to suffer from this are the creators of these books. They're the people who are really going to suffer most. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true. DC mm-hmm. will be fine. I mean, let's face it. These books will be short-term hits. Long-term mm-hmm. will not be hits.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They'll give, I mean, let's give DC a, a sizable short-term boost in the monthly launch. Sure. Um, There won't be long-term hits. But DC, DC will be fine. <laughs> you know? Yeah, of course. Watchmen will be fine, because Watchmen <clears throat> has been fine for all this time. And hilariously, if it goes out of print for some reason because of this, then Alan Moore gets the rights <laughs> back, which would be the greatest <laughs> like end result, wouldn't it? If I hurts Watchmen so badly, Watchmen goes out of print for you. That would be
0: hilarious. <laughs>
1: I would love that. Um... But yeah, the real people are going to get hurt are are the creators of these books because they're forever going to be tarred with this.
0: Oh, I don't know about that. You don't, you really you don't think yeah, there, really don't. you don't think
1: a lot of them are slicing off a segment of fans who are calling them scabs, and they won't win them back.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't really think so. Or or those numbers are like so small. I mean, you know, I mean, there's nobody who like drove me more up a goddamn wall than than say Brian Azzarello. Um, But I picked up Spaceman number one for a buck and I was like, it's pretty good. And I bought the other issues since, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know if there's such a thing as a cardinal sin for creators, at least in that regard. You know, like there are people who, you know, jump up and down and swear that they're not going to buy, you know, a Mark Miller book because of. X, or they're not going to support this person because they're, you know, like like Chuck Dixon, like you know, there's a guy who's like he's always going to have like a certain core base to him, you know, Uh, unless unless you do the sort of thing where you get caught, I don't know, plagiarizing, you know, or completely falsifying, you know, a Micah Ian, you know, Micah Ian Wright kind of example you know, and that guy probably could have found work somewhere else in the industry. It's actually kind of surprising. He never made a comeback, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, it's interesting to me. I actually had the day, the, the other time I, I think we got off Skype and I was like, God, I should really Google him and see what he's up to. You know, what I think is interesting to me is he did have, because of the nature of his, his lying, you know, he, put himself in a path that will f- sort of, that's one where I'll tar him forever, you know, because, because Mike Iron Wright, like said that he was like an army ranger and those dudes have long memories and a lot of time on the computer, you know, but it's also like a, a real affront to them, I think. So mm-hmm. I don't know to what extent he was able to turn around and yeah, really do anything When I mean, and that's the thing. Like, Brian Azzarello, it's not like you're going to Google him, you know, three years from now, and what you're going to find out is, like, oh, he wrote before Watchmen along with, like, 12 other people, you know? I think it's going to be more like, oh, yeah, I did, you know, you can still go and you can get all 10 volumes of 100 Bullets or something like that, you know? I mean, I do think that there is something to be said for the marketplace appreciating talent at least until the point where it ages out you know or at least until editorial decide thinks that it's aged out in which case you're just not you're interested. not there but, anymore yeah yeah but i mean just i mean you know look at what a pathological liar rob liefeld has been about you know his career and his work and the number of people who have even called him on it you know over the course of two decades he's still working you know um so I really don't think yeah, I don't think anyone's gonna turn around and, and be like you know, Brian Azzarello, you scab, like I don't think that's really going to matter to I don't know, you know, Mulholland books or something like that if he if he like writes a crime novel or it's gonna matter to the, the publishers of Vertigo, certainly, you know. Um but, you know, maybe maybe I'm totally wrong. I, I think I think all of these people are relatively bulletproof, you know, because the people who are calling them scabs are... it. I mean, it would be one thing if it was, like, the majority of the comics industry, even the majority of the comics industry on the internet, but, you know, it's like maybe, what, a couple hundred people, you know? And I think everyone else, for the most part, sort of buys into either the, oh, it's okay, or, like, you and me, we're like, well, I I feel kind of, conf- you know, I think somewhat less of them and I feel a little conflicted about it, but I don't necessarily know what to, to do, you know. It really, if you think about it, Graham, buying comic books has not necessarily been a good faith enterprise for like a long time. Well, no, no, you know what exactly. I
1: mean? I mean, it's it's kind of interesting for me to see so many people be morally affronted by this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, be like, I'm going to buy Avengers versus X-Men instead. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, because you know, there's definitely not been a lawsuit by the (laughs) co-creator of those comic things to try and get regained rights for those characters at all. Yeah, absolutely, that that didn't happen. Um, I don't know, like, if if there ever there was a thing where everyone involved comes out of it worse, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: (laughs) like Mm -hmm. everyone, I I feel like before before Watchmen, that thing.
0: You know who I feel really sorry for, actually, out of the Before Watchmen stuff? Is Dave Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison, actually. Uh,
1: because of yeah. his um, multiversity, multiversity thing? Multiversity,
0: yeah. I kind of feel like multiversity is... It could go either way. It's either going to end up, like, sort of suffering by quote-unquote comparison, because people will be like, oh, Watchmen analogs, how quaint. Or else it's just totally going to kill, because everyone's going to turn around and be like yes this is what before Watchmen should have been
1: I I, I, the I strongly suspect the, the latter mm-hmm. I strongly mm-hmm. suspect people are going to be like it's Morrison and Quietly together again this is who we would have bought before Watchmen for right but, and we don't even have because, to Yeah, because mm-hmm. because it's not Watchmen mm-hmm. because it's the Carlson characters it's right. free of the taint quote unquote
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know I, did I tell you my, my dream scenario for what Alan Murphy should do in this <laughs> this situation no that, and this is impossible, and he would have no interest in doing this. But it would be hilarious if, in whatever month before Watchmen gets launched, he uh, launches seven one shots featuring Watchmen analogs <laughs> said <set> before <laughs> Watchmen. Well, yeah, I, I mean, like, and this that, that right. would have been wonderful if he wanted to do that, just because it would completely fuck DC.
0: Right, right. No, absolutely, absolutely I mean, you know, for that matter um, not even do the analogues just, um, you know actually do seven one-shots with the Watchmen characters you know, publish oh, it
1: itself But then he is actually getting into legally actionable territory do you know? What oh it? sure, absolutely, like if and he then has, take it, it the whole thing. If he has realm. the cover of analogues then, then DC couldn't shut him down, I guess is what I'm saying whereas if he well, just yes.
0: outright did the characters then they could they could try, you know, but I, I I, think that, you know, it would be awesome to see him be Mr. Like, okay, I'm looking forward to going into court and talking about this. This will be great, you know. Unfortunately, I think that that sort of thing is just sort of... a not not going to happen. Um, no, no, there's there's no way it's going to happen. But it's just, I thought of that about that yesterday,
1: and I couldn't get it out of my head. I was just like, that would be hilarious. It would be kind of great. that would be really really great if he was just like, I have no interest in this, but just to piss in your parade.
0: Well, because I think that's kind of the um, that's kind of the 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 how Jack Kirby won defense. You know what I mean? Like, I really do feel that Kirby was just like, okay. You, you know, you promised me this and you didn't deliver, so now I'm going to go somewhere else and I'm going to create these things. And then that's going to get shot out from under me, and then I'm going to go back to another company and create this. And then when that falls apart, like people are going to step forward who are going to want to publish my stuff, and I'm going to publish it. You know? Well, I mean, he, he, if you look at that, Moore won. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Moore had that career. Yes. Yes, he certainly did. Um, I, I, I Exactly. I, you know, I mean, he, and I think he does. Thank God he sort of has the ability to, um, you know, he's continued to, to, to you know, um, keep himself busy and continue building with his talent, you know, which is which is why actually it's kind of a weird thing. Seeing Len Wein, uh do Ozymandias really is like the flip side of that, you know, in a way. Because Len Wein created a shitload of characters for Marvel, including, you know, their most popular, successful, billion-dollar-grossing character, you know, and he's never seen a nickel for them. And, you know, now he's over here at, at, at DC kind of being like, well, you know, because, because you need any sort of cachet that you can, and I was the original editor, you can put me in on a one-shot, and it's got a certain, you know, legacy appeal.
1: You know. in a weird way, Lynn Ween's and John Higgins' appearance in the creators list is the saddest part mm-hmm do you think mm-hmm. I think so not really from not even from a they should know better point of view. there's just oh, something yeah. sad
0: that <sighs> well, there's something if sad because there's that idea of like what else can they do yeah exactly that, that's, and that's the been part reduced that gets to that
2: uh uh-huh. that it's like
1: this is the only way they're going to get work yeah, yeah. You know, it's exactly. just it's, it's, that's, that's just kind of heartbreaking And the weirdest Like the weirdest way It's it's weird and that's the saddest part of the whole thing To me, I guess
0: <laughs> I don't know I don't know Oh, wacky before Watchmen What, what, yeah, what That's what I mean, like There's something mouth. about it that just, like,
1: depresses me Depresses me <laughs> at every level And brings out the worst of everyone
0: mm Yeah,
1: If I could magic the whole thing away, I
0: totally would. (laughs) Totally would. Exactly.
1: If I could magic Watchmen out of existence, so none of this would have happened.
0: (laughs) Oh, Graham, don't do that to us. I mean, that's the thing that's great, is I know that you don't have much love for Moore's work, or especially for Watchmen, so there is a way in which I think you're uniquely um, positioned to be horrified by everyone and everything in this particular case. I mean, you know... I'm, I'm glad that you're actually somewhere in the middle and not being kind of like,
1: well, you know, because oh, no, everyone's wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like DC have the legal rights. And I understand that. And I don't think DC actually set out way back when to fuck them.
2: Mm.
1: But at some point, DC should have went, this is much more of a success than we thought it would be. Mm. You know, we have to renegotiate this. You know, this thing has happened which we did not foresee and it has happened to our benefit, and that's great. However, (laughs) in order to not create a lifelong enemy of these people
0: Yes, exactly. We we should we should
1: be I don't know if it's morally responsible or just like nice. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like we should not actively shit on people.
2: Yeah. But at the same time,
1: I'm not sure like I don't know who to blame in that, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Like, who do I get mad at? Do I get mad at D.C.'s current ownership? Do I get mad at everyone who was in charge of D.C. when they didn't renegotiate it away back when?
0: I'm fascinated by the weirdly complex role that Paul Levitz had in all this, you know?
1: Yeah, because Levitz could have theoretically renegotiated the contract. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. But also,
1: Levitz is the one who stopped this happening for years.
0: Right. And I think that's how he justified his... um, His his not renegotiating the contract. But the other the
1: other thing that's fascinating about all of this is: Do you remember Alan Moore before the movie said DC came to me and offered all the rights back as long as they agreed to sequels? Yes, that's what fascinates me. Like if that's Mm -hmm. true, if he's not exaggerating, Mm -hmm. DC offered him the rights back to Watchmen, Mm -hmm. which is what everyone is like. I wish DC would do this. Do you know Um, what I mean? Like that's the part that I can't get my head around. Right. Because if that's true Mm -hmm. then part of it's like D C are in the right. Like D C did the thing everyone No, but you know what I mean?
0: No, no, doing the right thing, Graham, is like renegotiating the contract with him and then maybe finding later coming back and being like, hey I'm not But That's what I'm
1: saying. Like if they did if they offered him all the rights back. Mm
0: -hmm. As Moore said they did, and he's not exaggerating. No, he's not exaggerating. But But you're making it sound like it's the same deal if there's a string attached or there's no string attached, and that's clearly not the case. Wait, wait, wait. No,
1: no, no, no. Explain to me then.
0: I'm saying that if you say, we will give you the rights back to Watchmen, that is the right thing to do. If you say, we will give you the rights back to Watchmen if you sign off on these sequels so that we can have them made with your thumbs up of approval... That is not okay. the yeah, same. I, thing.
1: I, I I see what you're saying, and you're totally right. Yeah. I so guess I, what I, I'm fixated, I guess what I'm fixated on is this.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're looking at it from the Crazy Alan Moore angle
1: of. He- no, I'm looking. I'm looking at it from the DC angle of. They decided at some point they were going to do the sequels. Yes. That was a done deal as far as they were concerned. They nonetheless offered him the rights back, which they didn't have to do, yeah. and he refused. Well, so at what point, like, that's what I mean, like, DC has made so many wrong decisions in this. Mm-hmm. Like they have just multiple made wrong choices. Yes. I guess, I guess I- what I'm getting at is like, do you lump them all together and say, you're bad. Or, or is there a point where you're like, you tried to make good even if you tried to make good with strings attached, and therefore, I guess what I'm saying is, is the decision to do before what now, know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: having offered him the rights back,
2: mm-hmm.
1: even though you've already decided that you're going to do a sequel,
2: mm-hmm.
1: are they still as wrong now to do the sequels? as they would have been had they not offered him the rights back. Is it fair to say DC is wrong to do this because they never gave Mar- Almer the rights if they have offered him the
0: rights? Does
1: that make sense? Uh, like, is, yes. it, is it 60% it's... wrong or 100% wrong? Do you know what I'm saying?
0: Sure, sure. No, I do know what you're saying. And again, what's hilarious is this is, this is why one of the very uh, thematic issues at Watchmen you know, at stake and watchmen is—is is at what point are you doing something that's evil, even though when you're convinced that what you're doing is good? You know, mm-hmm. um, and then that's you know, just as the looking at it from from the standpoint of Ozymandias and the the man who lost his soul and stuff. You know, my my personal feeling is. Uh, you know, I think of, I've thought, I, I thought back to like interviews by like Neil Gaiman, like back in, I want to say maybe the late 90s, if not, you know, the early Um where he was like, yeah, you know, I think, he, he's like, I think that people actually, you know, Alan Moore walking away from all of this did actually change the game for everyone else. And it did make it better because a lot of people, you know, were like, well, those guys who did Watchmen did such a great job, why aren't there any sequels, you know? And they couldn't say, well, you know, we we can't turn around and and crank out Watchmen 2 sequels because we don't have the, the people on board, you know? So I think that it's all, in that sense, it's You know, Gaiman was saying, like, consequently, they had more of an interest in taking people like me and keeping me on board and giving me more freedom and treating me with more respect because Alan Moore walked off, you know. Mm -hmm. So for me, I think that turning around and offering somebody the rights after you've been fucking with them for 20 some odd years and as far as that person's concerned, you more or less lied to them in the first place – you know, is still kind of a far cry from like we're doing this because we're because it's the right thing. Let's put it this way. Let's let's contrast this with Jack Kirby and DC. You know, I mean, because there's a there's a huge example right you there. Mean, you like, mean Kirby and Marvel? Uh, no, Kirby and DC. Like Jack Kirby ends up leaving. Like he ends up getting the the a share in the participation of his Fourth World characters. He gets the chance to draw the Superpowers comic book. He gets royalties afforded to him, none of that stuff was signed in his contracts, you know, that was something that DC did, maybe they did it to, you know, for the dickish most dickish of reasons to make Marvel look like assholes, but you know, it's pretty easy for me to be like, well, I would have to say that even if they were doing it out of some weird caprice sense of caprice, what they were doing for Jack Kirby was largely very good and what mm-hmm. they're doing here for Alan Moore was really very bad. And so it seems to me like there's this weird thing of like, you know, if somebody burns you and then years later is like, ah, but you know what? No hard feelings. I'm totally willing to make this right if you do something for me.
1: Wait, I, 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 okay. Why is Why is offering Moore the rights back, even with the as long as you sign off in the sequels clause, bad? Wait, what it, is it, what is the harm for him to owning Watchmen again?
0: Okay. The harm is is that he has to actually lie. I mean, here's the one thing that Moore has made it sound like he has never wanted to do, which is he's never wanted to lie and be a spokesman for adaptations of his work. Like ever. Like, that's the whole thing that happened. I mean, you see this whole situation with, like, V for Vendetta, where, like, you know, all he wanted was not to be mentioned in any way. And, of course, Joel Silver turned around and said, oh, yeah, he loves the script. And Moore came yeah. out and was like, I, I didn't know say why that. Else. Yeah, yeah. and he was, he was crazy about it. So, I mean, clearly it is this thing that he – and he is. He's been relatively consistent saying that I've never wanted it I'd never just you know you just take your month take the money give it to the other people on the project I don't I just don't want to participate in this so you're really saying like but what's the what's the harm when all they're asking him to do is the one thing that he's been saying for 20 years that he would never do
1: no I think I think to disconnect is I didn't understand that it was that he would have to publicly support the movies as much as he would allow the sequels to be made that was, yep, that but, was my understanding of signing off for, on
0: them yeah I, I don't think so because I, I, I mean you could be right that's certainly the only phrase that he used but I suggest when he says allow the sequels to be made they he knows that what they mean is and Alan Moore is totally okay with this you know, and he has to sit there and go, "It's great," you know, because he I, he knows how the game works. It's yeah, not I, like they're like they're like, "Oh, we have the rights to do this anyway, but we want your permission to do it." But just to make sure that we get your permission, we'll give you the rights back. I I I just I don't I don't think that that was entirely the way the offer went down the pipe. Could be wrong. <laughs> the, the rights of Watchmen
1: has always fascinated me. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. I don't understand how the deal, what the deal is. <laughs> I don't understand why, if the deal is what it, everyone says the deal is, mm-hmm. that copyright and trademark are both DCs. Mm-hmm.
2: Do
1: you know what I mean? Like as opposed to other creator-owned things that have come since, mm-hmm. where it's been copyright, you know, DC and the creators are compared. Creators unleashed. Because I'm even so, sure that I'm even sure that before Watchmen. Um, Pat Mills and Kevin O'Neill to do a graphic novel called Metal Zoic, which they sold to um, DC, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that that's copyright the creators and not DC. So part like I I don't understand how the copyright ended up being what the copyright is, right? Like that that part is all has always been like. Like, I wish I could see the contract, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's that's the holy grail of everything comic for me. I would really, really kill to see it. And also, I'm really curious as to what Dave Gibbons really thinks of all of this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Do you know
1: what I mean? Like, because that's the other thing that's, like, the missing piece for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Because – well, Okay, on you go. No, 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 because I think you, you should finish that thought. No, what I was going to say is I, I think –
1: Alan Moore has been portrayed as a curmudgeon to be Mm -hmm. polite Mm -hmm. by many many people and I think in a weird way the narrative of Dave Gibbons is okay with all this watchman stuff and Alan Moore isn't plays into that but I don't know how much of that is has any basis in reality and how much of it is Dave Gibbons essentially doing a politer version of what Len Wein's doing which is because I need to maintain a good relationship with you because I need you, in a way that Almer doesn't. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? No, I do. I, like, I, how, I, yeah. how, much, how much is Dave Gibbons playing nice because he thinks at some point he would like to work for DC Comics again? As opposed to, how much just, d- does he genuinely believe that you know right. a Watchmen movie was a great idea? Or right. Watchmen sequels are, are not a terrible idea? Although, let's face it, from his quote in the special... On, from he, his he quote! He clearly thinks it's a terrible idea. No, yeah. I mean, like, why did he even give that quote Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? He could have mm-hmm. said no. He could have said no. Mm-hmm.
0: Ooh. He could that have said mean, no to Watchmen doing the sequel? Well, no, 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 he, um, no. No,
1: he could have said no
0: to giving the quote. Oh, I see. He could no. have just stayed quiet. See, Graham, this is, this is the thing. You and I, I have had very different experiences, especially in terms of the range and depth of our freelancer experiences. You've had a ton of them and you've been making your living as a freelance writer now for years you know I managed to nick in a little bit of supplemental income doing a little bit of writing Um, and I have to say uh, for myself I very much feel like I know what it's what it is to A. ask someone a question who is you know the person in charge of your project and have them say oh no, no 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 don't worry about it it's going to be okay You know, and realizing that you've got to make a leap of faith, or walk away from it, Mm -hmm. Um, or be in a situation where the you're presented with one thing, and then once you get to a certain point, the boom gets lowered, and you're like, oh fuck, well I have to continue to go forward with this, like it or not, because I've got enough invested in it that I can't bail. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it just seems to me that there are because this, this seems there's it seems that there's a lot of people like out on the internet and just in life generally that I maybe they really are the way they present themselves where they walk in and the instant it looks like they've got the gig they're like okay give me that contract you know. Uh, and I will read it over and I'll have my entertainment people get back to you and, you know, once once they've read through it and we've submitted, you know, our revisions to the contract, we can move forward with me pitching you this miniseries. You know? I I just feel like... There were times when Kirby was working at Marvel and he, you know, gathered up his nerve and talked to somebody and was guaranteed verbally that he would be getting things that he was going to get. And I also feel that Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons both were told, oh, you know, I mean, there there are quotes. There's quotes, for, you know, from when they're talking about things. um, in uh what is it in the uk comic art convention back in 1986 or whatever where they're talking about the whole situation with the rights and what what they're expecting is going to be um done Mm -hmm. you know and at that point they feel like they're being sort of treated properly and there's kind of this weird gray area but you know they they you know Dave Gibbons says, I've got enough faith in DC that I don't think that they do that, you know? And uh, and and so there is a situation where all these things happen with faith and then later people get burned. Um and yeah, I don't think I don't think it's totally cut and dry. I think I think Dave Gibbons is sits there and is like, God damn you motherfuckers. Like he went through it with the, the Watchmen stuff, you know, for the Watchmen the movie and then with the before Watchmen, I'm sure he was like, "Man, I do not want to say anything, but, but like you said, but I, I want a chance at you know pitching my OGN next year to these guys, or I've got a follow-up thing that I want, or they told me that I would have a shot at being able to pitch or take over uh, the new DC52 title." You know, you're so tied, you're so shackled, not just to the work that you've actually done, but to the promise of work that, yeah, you, you're always out there gambling and you're always gambling against the house. And if the house decides it wants to fuck you, you know, it, it, it does. You know, so I think I think the Watchman contract probably looks pretty cut and dry. And any judge in the world is going to be like, yeah, you know, you guys looked at it and you said it and people will be like, well, but what we were promised, you know, and and the judges are going to say, well, promised if you wanted it in the if you, it was something that you wanted a guarantee of, you should have had should it have put, put in, in the contract. contract. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, I think that's a really easy thing to say when you're a 47 year old judge as opposed to a 23 year old freelancer. Yeah. You know. The
1: other thing is, like, I think that's completely unfair because it's because Watchmen created its own market. Watchmen created a market that didn't, didn't not exist. prior to it. I think I think it's really, and I think, I think this is the problem. I think that legally DC is in the quote unquote right mm-hmm. to say, well, you know, our contract is completely fair. It's you know, this this accident happened and it benefited us, but it could have gone the other way. Which you know, sure. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, I just
0: oh, you know, I'm ambival- so, so, ambivalent about the whole thing, Jeff <laughs> I know, I can't, and I can't blame you I feel the same thing, I wish that DC would look at it and go, hey, you know what, we've made more money off, of Verti- off our Vertigo titles than we have off of Watchmen, Watchmen makes more than every single other Vertigo title individually, but the Vertigo titles that we have in aggregate sort of outweigh Watchmen You know, and as a way of being like, yeah, you know what? 20 years of having creator contracts and creator participation will ultimately do you better overall than having this one lightning bolt, you know, in a jar that is just going to be making you money forever, you know? Um, I just i it, it's it's one of those situations where it's kind of it's I, I'm, I'm impressed that it's like just a bad level of bullshit. I actually love. I don't know if you're this impressed is,
1: that it's a bad level of bullshit.
0: I am. I'm impressed. I love, but it's fucked up. I, I gotta tell you. I, well, you know, because it is. It's one of those situations where I think it's very rare that we have situ- we have opportunities to, I guess ethically challenge ourselves in real time, you know, to to sort of, you know, again, do sort of the bad faith cover-ups of like, well, we don't really know what Kirby would have wanted, or well, you know, it's true that Kirby, you know, was very angry at the end, but he was also making very unrealistic claims, and therefore the rest of his stuff is suspect, you know. I mean, here it's very much, as crazy as Alan Moore is, he's kind of like, yeah, you know, they had this contract, and... (laughs) they have every right to fuck me, but I have no right to be happy about it and they're complete fucking bastards to do it and it's completely an opposite to what they said that they were going to do, but, you know, but legally they've got the right to do this, so, you know, comics is a cesspool and fuck everyone, you know? And I think that that's... I kind of like what Spurgeon said months ago, which he sort of relinked to, which is like, I don't really think that Alan Moore is that crazy and cantankerous about how shittily he's been treated, because he's been treated shitty. He's got some serious passive aggressive issues that I think need to be worked out, but I, I suspect those are in place whether or not he'd gotten boned by Watchmen or not. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually like the thing that you might have suggested uh, I, I don't know if I can talk about of this uh, uh, outside of school so to speak, but your hypothetical of what would have happened if Moran Gibbons had gotten the rights to Watchmen back in
1: oh, the, That, that all just what. blows my mind.
0: Mm-hmm. Like I can't even imagine a world where they did If only because I don't think it's would still be in print mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah you've said that I can't believe that that's true On the other hand Maybe I mean maybe I mean you know It's not like Oh, Okay that's not true It might be in print now I don't think it would have
1: continuously been in print
0: Yes. No, I no, think, no. I think And again, I think I'm still up in the air. Like, you might be right. On the other hand, maybe it would have been one of those situations. Like, it starts getting all so skylarky. Like, no, Dave Gibbons would have totally taken care of the publishing part of it. No, no, exactly. Yeah. But uh, no, but part of it is, and this is the thing I keep coming back to every time
1: um, I think about Alan Murray these days his refusal to let 1963 be
0: collected. Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
1: Like, what if that had
0: happened with Watchmen?
1: What if he owned Watchmen and then he fell out with Dave Gibbons? Sure.
0: Yeah, he fell out because he thought Dave had been, you know, rude to him at a party or something. And yeah. like, okay, take it off yeah, the cause market. That, yeah,
1: because that's the mm-hmm. thing. For everyone being like, you know, Alan is completely right and was completely fucked by DC. Mm-hmm. That's true, but it also doesn't change the fact that Alan has also fallen out with people for the most random of reasons.
0: Yeah, yeah, Agreed agreed no I don't I, I know I mean like, that very well like, could have happened but I
1: see, I see this world where they'd gotten the rights reverted to them after a couple of years like, right. like like DC collected it it sold our rights went out of print they got the rights back it was probably out of print for a couple of years after that Say, it went back into print and then at some point Alan Moore fell out with David Gibbons for whatever reason Mm-hmm. Maybe Dave Gibbons wants to do a sequel and he didn't. Whatever. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then Watchman becomes Miracle Man again. Right. Do you know what I mean? This thing that everyone's like, it's the forgotten
0: classic. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. No. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it is. It could. It very well could have happened that way. I mean, you know, they they could have turned around and you know, like. Oh, hey, we've stopped publishing with them, but, you know, good news, we've signed up with, like, I don't know, Malibu to, like, you know, republish Watchmen. You know, it's, it's there's all sorts of yeah, weird bullshit that could have gone wrong. There's the a thing, million like, ways like, it could have gone wrong.
1: They could have published with anyone, but mm-hmm. if the relationship with between Marin Gibbons has fallen apart... And Moore had decided that he didn't want it in print anymore, then it wouldn't yeah. print. Do you know what I mean? Right. Or vice versa. If Gibbons has right. for some reason decided he didn't want it imprint anymore. Sure.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I, no, I, think it's, it's a weird...
1: I think in a weird way, Watchmen is what Watchmen is because DC were dicks.
0: Right. No, I think you're right. I think there is something to be said for the fact that because it was kept continuously in print, for DC for you know their own selfish and nefarious reasons uh, well or partially for um,
1: yeah the other, the other thing is don't forget DC is just DC's and Marvel if something's selling DC will keep it in print yeah like that, yeah. that's the way they work it's not like for example if this was Marvel or if DC had that's not fair if DC had Marvel's attitude to keeping books in print and mm-hmm. Watchmen was the only book
0: that is in print right
1: uh, that right. sales velocity, then I'd be yep. like, yeah, this is nefarious. But as it is, I yeah. think TC just been like, this is selling. Let's do another printing. This
0: is Absolutely. Selling. Let's do yeah.
1: another printing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's it's like uh it's like uh Dark Knight Returns. You know, Dark Knight Returns yeah. I or
1: think. Sandman.
0: Hmm. Yeah, or Sandman. Once it went into print, it is not left. You know. So, um, I I don't know. I don't know. It it, it that is kind of a a mind bender to consider. Um. I think... I'm fascinated to the extent by which Alan Moore has had so many poisoned wells, though. You know? What do you mean? Because I don't... This is sort of a poisoned well. You know, Miracle-Man is a huge... You know, the Poison Chalice, I guess, is what he actually referred to Miracle-Man as.
1: But also, he kind of got out of Miracle Man before it went to its top, if that makes sense?
0: Oh, sure. No, he did his full thing, and then he tried to set it up to to have it be this, like, perpetual engine machine of rights being exchanged and blah, 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 and it was a very lovely hippie idea. It didn't work, and it, again, became a poison chalice, but, you know, you look at big numbers, you look at 1963... Um, oh, yeah, no, it's,
1: it's, it's astounding, the amount mm-hmm. of Situations that he seems to have walked into. But yeah. again, that's where I get back to the, like, how much is he walking into them and how much is he creating them?
0: How, how much is he creating it? Would, yeah, right. To what extent is he... Because he's he,
1: either the unluckiest con- man in the
0: world... Right, right. ...or he's contributing to it. Yeah.
1: Because okay. of what creative partnership
0: ha- has not fallen apart? Well, in theory, oh, Kevin O'Neill, right? Like, that's still going to I guess. And it yeah. has for a, a, a huge chunk of time. You know? Yeah. So, but yeah, no, I mean, he's not speaking with Bissett anymore. I don't necessarily know. I think he's still on good speaking terms with Veach, Rick Veach, but Veach, of course, is on pretty good speaking terms with anyone, everyone, as far as I can tell. You know, that's... I mean, Eddie Campbell, yes. Yeah, Eddie Campbell, you know, I think is, is, a, is another one. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's, I don't... it's
1: from hell, the
0: the Alan Moore that worked out. It seems like it. It seems like it. And even then, I mean, it had, it had one it, of the it, world's it, most tortured birth processes, you know? I mean, how many publishers did it? Oh God. Know? Yeah. It was all over the place, but I mean, yeah. it eventually got collected under mm-hmm. Eddie Campbell's control.
1: Right. The movie was made and mm-hmm. they just didn't mention Alan Moore as he's always wanted. Right. And he seems, you know, yeah, he's okay, I guess with that, mm-hmm. you know, is is that is is from Hell the best it's ever going to get for Alan Moore? That's kind of sad.
0: Yeah, I I don't know. I think so. And and there is that concept of like, you know, and is it the best that it's ever going to get for Alan Moore because Eddie Campbell was so incredibly conscientious about it, you know. That yeah. that Campbell was the guy who was willing to pick up And carry the ball through I don't know, various top shelf negotiations Or doing a variety of the other stuff You know yeah so. I suspect I, I it is mm-hmm. I suspect, mm-hmm.
1: ultimately Alan Moore works best With Very forgiving people Because, mm-hmm. you know, whenever you see People talk about Kevin O'Neill mm-hmm. Personally, I suppose these works They're always like, you know, he's the nicest man Right. And Eddie Campbell is the nicest man as well. I mean they're they're both incredibly nice gentle, I guess, mm-hmm. sincere human beings. It's you yeah. know, it's, is is that the key? That Alan well, essentially has to be the dominant one in the
0: relationship. And and his partner has to be willing to forgive him his
1: foibles. I
0: well, I think it's actually weirder more than that. I mean I could be wrong, but I get the sense that part of it is is that um more is the guy who needs to be the dominant one, but is also the guy who like feels incredibly uncomfortable being the guy who's like sitting at the table, you know, pushing drafts of the contract back and forth. Yeah,
1: I think he you has to, I think he has to I, be in control, but he doesn't like to be in authority.
0: Yeah, oh, that's a, probably a perfect way to describe it, which is kind of the curse of the, the passive-aggressive, I think, in so many ways. So, yeah, yeah it, it's super important to him that it's like, okay, well, can you just handle that, Steve? You just take care of it. You know what I want, you know? And then, of course, someone does. he's like, what? I didn't want 1963 snack crackers. What are you talking about? Well, I thought you did. What? Clearly, you don't know me at all. I, I refuse to talk to you anymore about this. Exactly. Actually, That's I'm like, like, I finally, after 50-some-odd episodes, have an excuse to use my Alan Moore accent, and I haven't been doing it. You know? Go. It's like, hello, Steve Bissett. I can't believe you. Hello, Mary Poppins. I don't know. hello, hello. Hello. <laughs> jolly good day oh. jolly good day you screwed me over on the 1963 snack biscuits what do you think that was totally worth an hour and 20 minutes just to <laughs> hello Henry Higgins it's me Alan Moore um isn't he from like Northampton or something it doesn't matter man it doesn't matter <laughs> when in default Dick Van Dyke in GDG Bang Bang hello what?
1: yeah I love oh how you actually God. said Hello, Mary Poppins. Hello, Henry Higgins. And then you name drop Chitty Chitty Bang
0: Bang. D- isn't isn't Henry Higgins in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? My Fair Lady. And Mary Poppins is in Mary Poppins. I don't even oh, think he right. was in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Is is he in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and Mary Poppins? He's definitely
1: in Mary Poppins. I don't know if he's ch- in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang.
0: Wow, that is great. Well, obviously. Obviously, Graham, you're not familiar with my work, League of Extraordinary Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, in which Dick Van Dyke meets all the great heroes. You're fine. Okay, thank God. There's like half a sliver. Sadly, Mary Poppins and Henry Higgins are unbilled cameos.
1: No, 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 no. I'm I'm all for your League of Extraordinary Dick Van Dykes.
0: (laughs) The League of Extraordinary Dykes, which, believe me, I had a very different (laughs) idea for, but I revised it after That was my my Lost
1: Girl sequel.
0: Wooking on me accent Exactly You know what I'm saying Wink wink Please, nudge, please, nudge. please stop going Australian
1: Please Is it Australian? Oh it's Damn, getting I, there I keep trying for it, Cockney It's definitely getting Australian
0: Hello mate Uh yeah I guess that's a little closer isn't it I don't know It's a shame Anyway Do you remember when we had all those questions And we were like <laughs> My god yeah, we're never Yeah we were like this?
1: I wonder if we'll get through the last 30 questions Or We can talk a bit before Watchmen and Alan Moore For an hour and 21 minutes I know
0: I know. That was a little long.
1: To be fair, listeners, problem. you're not going to get an hour and 21 minutes because there's part early on where you went to talk with Edie for a bit. So it's probably <laughs> only like an hour and 15 <laughs> for you
0: It's like an hour and 18 minutes. I don't <laughs> think it was like five minutes, Graham. It was more like two. Ah uh, yes. So, so yeah, those questions we... huh? that that hmm? that didn't happen. <laughs> what can happen now? Do you have the questions? Do you remember? I do. I do, I do have the questions. Oh,
1: um, okay. First of all, do you have hard stop today?
0: I kind of do. Yes. I, okay. I need to be well, off the phone in, in twenty. Minutes. Uh, yeah, in twenty minutes. No, let's let's say an hour. We've got we've got an hour.
1: Seriously? Because you have you have you have at some point to deal with the thing you're dealing with before we got on the phone. Yeah, I know. I'm not gonna be, be responsible for you and Edie falling out over this.
0: I totally appreciate that. Let's let's make it an hour, a hard hour. I can do that. Okay. 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 Okay.
1: So questions. Yes. Let's see. MB asks, what do you think of Byron and Rude's
0: Nexus? You know, I've always been slow to warm to it. Um I I, I, I adore Rude's art. I really and truly do. Um Mike Barron's scripting style is so strange to me. He's such an oddly affected uh, writing and prose style. And there's a way in which I've always sort of dug how atypical it is. Um, Like, for example, on those first couple of issues of The Flash reboot. Um, But even then, I found it being strangely, to me, strangely on the verge of not working, I guess. I guess that's. that's I I, I think that's. like I agree with you. Uh, I was mm-hmm. going to say it's very
1: pretty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I I remember it looking spectacular and being left really cold by the writing. And yeah, really trying as well. I remember someone um mm-hmm. lend me the loan me the first two omnibuses, the, the dark horse wow. hardcovers, because mm-hmm. they were like you'll love this. This this mm-hmm. is totally you know this is going to be your thing. You're going to read this and fall in love with it. And like I finished them, but I was like, huh. So that's very pretty.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And at first I thought yeah. it was like, you know, it's not dated well or I'm just not in that mindset. And then I read um, American Flag fairly, mm-hmm. you know, not long after that and was like, this is amazing. amazing. And, right. you know, the, the two are contemporaneous. So yeah, I, I, are. I I think it's I think it is a case of the writing just wasn't there for me.
0: Yeah, it, it just never. I remember back when the book was being published and it was just like a corner. You could not pick up an issue of Amazing Heroes without somebody ranting about it and reading many interviews with Steve Rood and being like, oh, you know, he's really trying to do this, you know, layered uh, uh, story that's somewhat ambiguous about the nature of justice and then I just picked it up and it really reminded me, it really read like the world's most um, perfectly drawn flaming carrot comic,
1: you know. It just-
0: <laughs> oh God, now you've
1: completely ruined that series for me. <laughs> Oh man! Well, sorry. It looks like I'm not going to be picking up Dark Horse Presents with New Nexus now, because that's—you've totally ruined it for me. Uh, Andrew Brown asks. He asks you a question. Oh. I know you bought the Amazing Spider-Man and Fantastic Four comic DVDs. How far did you get in actually reading them?
0: Oh, you know that was—that is such a great question, uh, because I did sort of blanch with that uh, when I read it way back when. Um, so I think I think fair... <laughs> you like so. so you're going to say, like, you know, issue 27 of both, aren't you? Right, right. No, 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 no. Uh, what what I am going to say is that I think it's worth keeping in mind, just for context, that I have all of the Marvel digital DVDs. So um, the weird thing is, 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 so I picked up Spider-Man, and I started reading at around issue 120, which is, or 119, which is really close to when I started reading when I was a kid, and I read it up to issue 200, uh, which is what 80 some odd issues. Yeah. Um, then I thought I can keep going forward or I can j- turn, around and jump to the very beginning and reread the Ditko stuff. Um, at the same time, I did something similar where I loaded up a slew of fantastic Fours uh, about the first 30 issues. Um, the first, I want to say 60 issues of captain America, uh and um I had also had, because it was one of my early purchases, the Ghostwriter D V D. So to date, out of everything, the thing that I've read the most of is uh ninety issues of Ghostwriter, probably more, um, because oh. I was so weirdly obsessed. Oh, okay. I know. Talk about the squandering of an opportunity of a lifetime. But to be perfectly one hundred percent honest, I'm kind of caught in this weird gear of like starting at the beginning for like the Captain Americas, which I've read. I've read maybe the first uh, right up to Captain America one hundred, which has been really great. The tales of suspense stuff has been um, interesting. Was interesting reading. But yeah, I find myself in this weird position of I can either reread all the stuff that I grew up with or i can start rereading from the beginning a lot of which uh, material that i've read before um and weirdly i've just i got sort of bogged down what happened was i in true jeff fashion bought these things enshrined them have huge numbers of, of issues on on the ipad and then basically began to get more obsessed with Um, reading some of the books from that I was buying at the comiXology sales um, and also switching like I feel like the period where I was just reading my Spider-Mans and Ghostwriters on the iPad was very much the during the time when I was not I was getting to the comic book store like every other week and you were spending a lot of time telling me what was going on in the in the weeks books and I feel like for the last couple of months I've tried to be more I don't know, concurrent with what's coming out
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh and so yeah um i have a, a number of bad excuses and i think some good ones but ultimately interestingly enough i read almost a uh, hundred issues of ghost rider which were fascinating um a really enjoyable 80 issue run of spider-man and everything's queued up and waiting for me to sort of pull the trigger on
1: Oh, Jeff. He also asks, <laughs> now that the new 52 is a
0: few months past, how many new 52 titles are still on your pool list? Mm, that's a really good question. Uh, I took, I actually took OMAC off and then put it back on. When so, you found it was getting cancelled? Yeah, pretty much. I was like, well, I might as well have the full run, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I have that's to say, like, weird. I took uh, Stormwatch off um, and also... God, what was the other one I took off? Mm-hmm. I can't even remember. I but there's two that I took off, and then uh, with Peter Milligan going on to Stormwatch, I was mm-hmm. like, maybe I'll just get them anyway. Right. Right. Um, exactly. But that said, I'm also I'm jumping off Justice League's arc when Milligan does, because I, mm-hmm. I I'm not that interested in in Jeff Lemire. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. Uh, he he also says. Oh, so, oh sorry. And to answer the question, um, there's far fewer New Fifty Two titles on my pull list. Uh, I got rid of. Because I added lots of proposals with the first issue and then dropped them with the second. If that makes sense, because mm-hmm. I thought I thought I'd like Hawk and Dove a lot more than I did. Um, mm-hmm. I thought I'd like Mister Terrific a lot more than I did. Um, yeah, uh, but recently I've dropped Green Lantern, uh, Mister mm-hmm. Terrific, Star Watch. So I'm going to add that back.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that's about it for the ones I, I I've really dropped. What's on there? Green Lantern Corps is on there. Action Comics is on there. Is it on Bat- the drop list or on the keep no, list? No, on, on the keep list. Uh, okay. Batman and Robin's on the keep list. Mm-hmm. Justice League's on the... I'll uh, wait and see how the first storyline ends, but it's really close to the drop list, especially mm-hmm. considering that fifth issue, which is appallingly bad. Um,
0: <laughs> OMAC's on the keep list.
1: Mm-hmm. And that might be it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's OMAC, uh, Batman, Flash... Uh, Batwoman. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I dropped Batwoman. Yeah, you dropped Batwoman. I'm still keeping it. So, I don't know. You know, I didn't. I wasn't buying that many. I think I was started off buying like 9 or 10 and I think I might be down to like 5 or 6. Some of which, you know, Flash was the only one that I, I honestly picked up. Uh, and I think I've admitted to reading an a complete appalled secrecy uh, Detective Comics by Tony Daniel.
1: That's horrific. Um, Your mention of Fa- Flash, however, reminds me. I read the first five issues in a one this weekend. Oh, yeah. They are yeah. so much better in a one Really? I, I went from going, when I read them individually, you know, I don't really, I'm not feeling involved in what's happening. This this is a mm-hmm. really gorgeous looking book, but the story's terrible. To mm-hmm. really taking on the story. <laughs> I, I think when you read it in a one it's it's... So it seems so much uh better structured.
0: hmm
1: mm-hmm. Um yeah, it it's it's really, really worked for me when I read it in one go as opposed to individually.
0: Oh well, that's good. That's good. I should sit down and do that too, now that things have sort of um come together. You know.
1: Uh and Andrew Brown's last question, are there any books that you've recommended? I think he's still talking about the new fifty two. Uh that upon yeah. rereading you really wish you hadn't. Yeah, Mr. Terrific.
2: Mm,
1: mm-hmm, mm. Massively, um, Justice League. I think after issue five, I'm kind of like, "Wow, <laughs> sorry everyone who might have bought issue five from Justice League on because I said issue four was really
0: good." Because um, right. that's horrendous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. There's ones that are kind of all over the map. I I do think I think I think Batman's a real coin toss. It could go either way. Frankly, I think I think I'm not. I I still am loving Capullo's art. I'm not sure that I'm actually down with Scott Snyder's stuff. I think think it's dangerously close to not panning out. I think I... I don't know if I spoke well of the first issue of Frankenstein, but that's one that I certainly regret dumping some of my cash in. Um, Um, Interestingly enough, I'm more bummed by some of the stuff that I you know, not new 52 books, but stuff that I sort of dismissed that I later uh, sort of wish that I could go back and be like, hey, everybody. Like, um, Drops of God, which I think I mentioned uh, a couple of uh, months, maybe a month or so ago, which is this um, wine manga. Um, mm-hmm. I really am enjoying that, you know. Uh, I started off reading it and I was like, yeah, it's okay. It seems kind of derivative in a very to a lot of the food manga stuff that I, it seems so heavily indebted to the sort of um, style and format that Oshimbo had set up um, that I was kind of like, yeah, it's pretty derivative fluff, but I'm halfway through Volume 2, and I'm quite enjoying it. I, I do, I don't even think I mentioned the most recent volume of Crying Freeman that I read, but I'm horrified that I'm actually telling people to read that book, you know? It's it's, um, it's terrible, It's, it's gone... It's wrong? fucking awesome, <laughs> but it's insane. Like, it really no, no, is insane. No, wait, wait,
1: no, no, we went through this last time where you were basically saying, mm-hmm. I find this morally repugnant, and yet it's wonderful.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's pretty much, I don't know, this last issue, I'm not sure if there is as much of that. It's kind of crazy, though. It goes, the the, the most recent volume that's out on Dark Horse, I think volume five, uh, goes impressively hardcore porno for the first 40 50 pages in a way that's kind of disturbing in fact i need to reread that thing because i'm not even sure i remember what ha- i think i blacked out while reading that book uh, that, that's
1: also, that's also a good sign. that's like me when yeah. you reread the filth <laughs> and i was kind of like i feel like my brain cut half of this out in my
0: memory to protect yeah. me <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that is i can definitely see that with the filth uh for sure um Okay, well, exciting next question, perhaps.
1: Okay, Uh, Dan Billings asks, with the Celestials popping up all over the Marvel Universe, do you think that Alex Ross's Earth-X series will become what Kingdom Come was to the DC a few years ago, where it seemed like that was the direction they were taking? Or are Mm -hmm. these all Jack Kirby and Silver Age love letters? Uh, Mm -hmm. The latter.
0: Yeah, I think so, too.
1: I think think Marvel has a very specific plan for for where they're going. Um, mm-hmm. That may coincide with Earth X things, but I don't think they're going to go towards Earth X at all. Yeah, um, it's I... only because I don't think Marvel ever feels comfortable having a model for where it's going,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which mm-hmm. sounds much worse than it's meant. Hmm.
2: Hmm.
0: Well, and interestingly enough, Earth X was a project that, by the end of it, as far as I can tell, Joe Quesada was taking no pleasure in publishing. You know it seemed like it Earth, was Earthex those... went horribly off the rails, yeah, well, I guess by the time
1: it, you got it, to what Paradise X was that the last yes, yeah, yeah, yeah it, yeah, yeah. It, it
0: had gone yeah it was it was a fascinating weirdness, by the end <laughs> it 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 's a shame because because it really was you know, so I think that I think as much as I enjoy Earth-X, and I really do i couldn 't really get on for the rest of the. Divine Marvel comedy, but but for Earth X itself, I thought it was a great read. I just don't really see that as being a, an especially big influence. Uh, I'm not even really sure. I don't even think Kingdom. I guess Kingdom Come kind of comes and goes as an King, influence. Kingdom I Come for
1: DC, or, yeah, it really was. Like there was the mm-hmm. for what eighteen months worth of Justice Society, it was a Kingdom Come
0: prequel, right. and labeled as such. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is very true. Um yeah, so I don't know. I I think it's I think it is sort of a Jack Kirby. I think it's a Jack Kirby mash note, but I think it's also just very much a concept of. It's a good shorthand for awesome. Like I think Marvel is definitely about the like, hey, we're bringing the awesome, and we're well aware that Jack Kirby is awesome. But I think they're very happy to you know you know, if Steranko had introduced a character, had introduced a bunch of celestial characters, I think they'd be quite... Well, no, exactly. Out all the
1: time. I think the celestials are being used because they are a Kirby concept and they are awesome, but they've really not been used that much. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, Silver Surfer has been used so often that mm-hmm. he has essentially lost his value.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And the celestials haven't. Yeah, agreed. I think, yeah. You, I think the celestials bring a sense of scale... have been used so rarely. Right.
0: Well, I would say You you can imprint all your stuff on it. Yeah, you can imprint your stuff on it, and it's no surprise that— because I feel that way about Galactus, and it also seems like Galactus is right around the corner going, Hey! Oh, man. Someone say Celestials?
1: I read um, the last— the collection of Mark Wade's last few uh, Fantastic Four issues. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, the the most recent collection just came out it's called The Ultimate Collection Um, and it has notes in the back from Mark Wade which I don't know if previous collections did I literally just picked this one out at the library because I was like I don't think I've read these issues and he ends with curing Galactus
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and the note is you know pretty much I knew Galactus was going to come back but I figured this way I could give him a few months off little did I know (laughs) that someone would cure him in a week (laughs) I <laughs> think a week after his comic was published, Galactus was back. And he had no idea.
0: Yeah. 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 You know, it's the thing that's really hard. I think that's the other reason why Celestials are exciting. Because there's that whole realm of stuff where it's like, yeah, I, you know, I just, I can't look at Doctor Doom without my eyes crossing. And I sort of feel the same way about Galactus. Whenever Galactus shows up, it's a huge, huge mistake, I think, for the Fantastic Four. It's just always... It doesn't matter in what format. I'm like, you guys have got to pretend this character doesn't... It's like it's like the Joker for Batman. Like, the worst thing that you can do is let a writer come in and be like, okay, got the most amazing Joker story, you know? It's yeah, like, that's, let him a, around for a couple of years. That's a real problem for the Fantastic Four.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, okay, I'm writing Fantastic Four, so I'm going to have Doctor Doom, and he's going to manipulate them, and then Galactus is going to come down. But it's a, it's a great Galactus story. <laughs> And yeah, everyone's like, oh my god, please, stop. Like, even Jonathan Hickman. Mm-hmm. Even Jonathan Hickman's like, okay, I've got Doctor Doom, and I've got Galactus, and you're kind of like, wait, you're supposed to be yeah. the idea guy.
0: You're supposed to be the idea guy. Yeah, exactly. But, so yeah, I, I definitely think that those are, like, really, really, blah. Uh, anyway. Um, so yes it would be uh, EarthX uh, I think it is probably not going to be the case but oh did you read Defenders number three should we talk about that can can we did you, have you read any books this week or I
1: haven't read any books this week I didn't get this okay, story, well, we'll uh, to see it. Okay we'll hold off and yeah, yeah. Uh, why should I read uh, Defenders number three did you like it? Uh,
0: it was the best no. <laughs> of the three issues yeah exactly but that's a no like I'm like definitely dropping the book and uh, there was some, some tweet from Fraction or something where he's like hey issue three's out this week and it's kind of where I really feel like I start to get my act together and I sort of see what he's saying because I think he, he finally gets a, a very interesting take on a narrative voice um, that I sort of would love to see play out um, but it's, it's it's just a lot in defenders yeah I think so well I don't know I mean not not even in that just in, in the the whole thing of like it. it's already three issues in you know what I mean? There's just kind of, there's enough lattice work that's there where it's just like, nah, it's not gonna, I, I give you too much of my money. I can I can never, I can't pretend there's a clean slate. There's some stuff that I was looking forward to talking with you with, uh, with, uh, about. Um, so we'll just do that next week, though.
1: Oh, I should tell you now, by the way, I have finally read Leviathan Strikes. <laughs> this actually happened a couple of weeks ago and then we did our question thing last week. Oh but my found, God, I yeah. I read Leviathan Strikes. <laughs> Fantastic. And what do you think? Um, Those are two issues that really shouldn't have been put into one comic. Not even close, aren't they? It's like somebody's like, it certainly shows his range. I'm like, what? (laughs) Yeah, it does certainly show his range. Still shouldn't be put together, though. Um, I love the last page reveal, Mm -hmm. which in retrospect makes a lot of sense, but I can't help feel that he pulls it out his ass. I think so much of that last story does not make sense, <laughs> and I've read it like four or five times. Oh, thank God! Because I, I, I really I, am, I'm, and like... I'm still like, there's bits of this that like are relying on stuff that's either in your head and you've never said, yeah, or you know, you you dropped and I completely missed it. It seems to be a massive jump forward, and like I missed mm-hmm. three issues in between.
0: Right. Yeah, and it's that it's the total thing where. I don't like it when Morrison does that sort of thing, even on like monthly books, having that happen after six months, like I'm convinced the reason why they put those two issues together is so that the editors can say, no, look, see, it wasn't us. Like, that's how disparate these two are. Like, you're going to come in cold into this last chapter no matter what. Like, I, rem- I actually read it and was like, wait, did I drop a page? Did I miss page? Like, I was flipping back and forth. Just not great. I mean, I, it, it, interesting to me because there's so much stuff that, that um, Morrison does that sort of seems like Morrison's greatest hits, but I just kind of didn't like the way that he was handling it. I, I especially thought his whole, uh, the supervillains' um, abilities and omnipotence so come out of nowhere. That it do, it that it feels really rigged, um, in a much uh, in an even worse way than some of Morrison's other stuff. So.
1: It it feels like a comic that happens because the writer wants it to happen, which Morrison mm-hmm. is guilty of a lot. Yes, but it's never a good thing when he is. If that makes sense, it becomes a comic that you can admire, but not a comic that you can like. Yeah, when he does that, yeah. and and I yeah. think that's ultimately what I thought about. Um, Leviathan Strikes I I also in a weird way the reveal Mm -hmm. makes me less interested to read what follows
0: yeah yeah agreed agreed
1: Um, Mm. because I almost feel like we've seen that story Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know it it just like because I I really liked it when I saw it do you know what I mean I was like oh that Mm -hmm. makes a lot and it helped that I actually recently reread all of Batman and Robin Marson's running oh. Batman and Robin, where uh, that's all actually set up. Mm-hmm. Like he, mm-hmm. th- th- by the time you've got um, Deathstroke <laughs> taking over Robin's body,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and 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 Talia essentially saying you're dead to me, like mm-hmm. uh, that that is all set up. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It. I was like that's great, and then like half an hour later, I was like no, it's not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait yeah. yeah it is um, it's like that's an amazing reveal. oh <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah I don't know I mean my yeah we'll see we'll see where it ends up going but yeah okay well that's good. it's interesting to know I was kind of like I'd be fascinated Part of me was like oh God well, if Graham reads this and thinks that it was absolutely exceptional and mind-blowing and you know I'm going to be like <laughs> oh
1: no, that would have been hilarious if I was like Jeff, I don't know what's wrong with you.
0: Yeah, really, it's the exactly. The greatest comic. I was kind of expecting it. It was going to be one of those terrifying, like, oh, so bad. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well. Anyway. So good. You read Leviathan Strikes. Thank you. And thank finally, you no, this this week so. I've totally been reading
1: the things I ordered by mail order that I told you about the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, which are the Machine Man. I'm only just yeah. t- into Machine Man, but holy god, Machine Man's amazing. Yeah. Machine yeah. Man is totally. Kirby Kirby Prime, yeah, 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 yeah. It really is, and also mm-hmm. one of those things that I wish like someone would bring back and play for laughs, if that makes sense. It's funny. It underscores why Alice's Machine Man doesn't work for me mm, mm. because it's missing the joke in Kirby's Machine Man. Like it's actually the opposite of the joke of Kirby's Machine Man.
0: Oh, interesting. Interesting. Because
1: well, Alice's Machine Man is fleshy ones i am a robot fuck you yes and kirby's machine man is funny because it's a robot who doesn't fucking look human because he has his massive eyes mm-hmm. trying to convince everyone including himself that he's a normal guy
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: so you have him in a car with a psychiatrist going don't worry friend I'm just like you and you can tell like he's completely sincere to himself but that's yes. where the comedy comes from yeah, like yeah, yeah. you have this guy That's a just, good point. He's just like, "Hey, no, I'm just like you guys. Why don't we go and get a beer?" Right? Do you know right. what I mean? That's and so and Alice's joke is literally 180 of that. Oh yeah, exactly. And that, exactly. and that's why it, that's why it doesn't sit right for me, I guess. Because like yeah, yeah, I've never too. I've never read the Kirby Machine Man force. It's not like I got that. Mm. But I read mm-hmm. the Ditko Machine Man that followed mm-hmm. it. Which right. falls in the same thing, where he keeps on trying to, you know, I am a, what was it, an insurance adjuster or something? Like that?
0: Exactly. Yeah, he was an insurance adjuster, exactly. And he was, like, I'm a regular Joe. I just want to... It's interesting, because I actually thought, the, the reason, I think I missed that joke in that regard, I mean, the closest I could come to seeing, seeing it being a joke was just sort of a, a more kirby irony, which is the idea that, you know, Machine Man's a lot like Superman. You know, he is he you know physiologically he's the least human character in the room at least human being in the room but he's the most human character in the room you know mm-hmm. um and I, I, so like i said i didn't really quite see it as quite so f- funny of him being like oh yeah i'm just like you you're my dad you know um but i think that's a good point uh, and it actually is something, they don't play it as a joke, but to return to Earth X, it is something that, that Ross and Kruger definitely play and pick up on. Like, Machine Man's stripping of his humanity is is sort of an essential part of that story. Um, it's just not done very well or dramatically, I think.
1: But yes, yeah, so I've been reading Machine Man and um, the Micronauts. Hooray! The, the Micronauts and, Special and Edition. Microsoft. Wow. Which is the fr- its reprints of the first year of Micronauts? Wow, um, which is great, isn't it? Good <laughs> Again, I, I remember. I haven't. I haven't, re- I haven't read mm-hmm. those original st- stuff at all. Like I got into Micronauts from the British reprints, which I think were yeah. like issue thirty or something. Like it was oh, Pat that's... Broderick. It wasn't Michael Golden. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so reading like the original stories, I'm just like, this. This is amazing. Yeah. yeah. This is really good,
0: like space fantasy stuff. Oh it's 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 really it's uh you know in some ways it sort of out Star Wars the Star Wars comic for me.
1: Oh it you know? it totally does. Like it mm-hmm. it's it's just it it's quite clearly a product of Star Wars era. Mhm. Mm-hmm. But done with such sincerity. Oh yeah. That you're, you you don't care. You're just like this is great. There's a there's a princess who's having to pretend to be a puppet. Holy shit. Right there's Darth Vader I mean barring cars up but come on Darth Vader you know yeah mm-hmm. Oh no it's it's good stuff um, that yeah. and um, yeah, yeah. I also got the X-Men Omnibus Volume 2 out of the library which is the last Claremont issues with wow. all the fill-in stuff and then the first ten issues of the X-Men series that followed
0: good lord it's a uh, kind of... it's it's a fascinating read <laughs> I, do you want to elucidate on that? Uh, Uh, it's, it's, the, the, the... seeing
1: the difference between Claremont X-Men and non-Claremont X-Men, I didn't realize it was so stark and so obvious and so immediate.
0: Really? So who replaces him on uh, X-Men once cs
1: Um, Jim Lee takes over plots and John Byrne writes scripts for two issues and then is replaced by Scott
0: Lobdell. Ooh, so Lubdell moves in there pretty early on. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Okay. Interesting.
1: Um, but it's it's like there, there's there's a noticeable difference. Hmm. And it, it's kind of amazing because Byrne's trying his best
0: to channel Claremont. Right.
1: Um, but, but it's he's an such it's an everything person. Yeah, yes. he's
0: such a vastly different personality. Byrne is. Uh,
1: but also, like the plot structure becomes immediately simpler.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: It's weird because after having picked up X-Men forever, whatever that was, like, two or three years ago, um, Claremont's last issue of X-Men, X-Men Issue 3, really feels like an end.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, there's really a sense of, yeah, they could have cancelled the book here. Really? Is yeah. it all them sort of walking off into the sunset-y kind it, of thing, or do it's, you mean...
1: It's Magneto killing
0: himself. Ah. Uh.
1: Which, of course, that stuck. But, um... <laughs> You right. Exactly. Exactly. No, it it's uh so the the, the plot the plot of those first three issues is Magneto comes to believe which is not true. He comes to believe that when he was reduced to being a baby by God Alpha whoever
0: the prime mutant. Yeah, well remembered in
1: Defenders. <laughs> yes. Um he was then given to Moira McTaggart, basically <laughs> to keep to keep watch of him. And she did something to him that reprogrammed his his uh, his genetic structure, that made him into the the reformed villain for Claremont's run. Mm-hmm. And he, understandably, goes bad shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's basically like, "Fuck you! You've totally ripped my mind." Uh, and the you know <laughs> twist in the tail is it didn't work. She tried it. it. As soon as he used his powers, he reverted back to who he really was. Yada yada. Um But this comes out when his his new team of evil mutants have basically like stolen nuclear warheads and are about to nuke Earth from orbit. And he, Magneto, detonates the warhead in space himself. Essentially killing himself with a, like a psychic flash to Professor Xavier that's basically we are completely different people. We both had the same aim, mm-hmm. but I couldn't I could never be you. Mm-hmm. like and then he's gone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's the end of the book. Hmm. And it's like that could work as an end.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, let's face it, that's kind of awesome. I mean, that's sort of a really nice little end note for Magneto and sort of... You know, I was thinking about this while while um, thinking about the, the X-Men First Class movie, sort of. I was thinking about it for whatever reason the other day, I guess, because they were talking about possible sequels. or Oh, you know what it was? It was talking uh, to Edie. We were driving home someplace, and... She, she had seen X Men in the first class, and she had. We were talking about I think Michael Fassbender popping up in somebody else in in some other um, movie, and she's like, Michael Fassbender. He was like Eric, you know. And and I was like, Wow, it's really interesting to me. Like I was kind of like she was right. Like that's you're like goes, you're being hey. like so. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which we <laughs> then went on to her being like, How do you pronounce that anyway? You know, but. But I've really had that moment of like, you know, the X-Men first class and really so much of the, the X-Men stuff. That repositioning of Professor X and Magneto is, I think, so strongly a Claremont contribution. Yeah. Maybe I'm mistaken on that. And it is, it's one of those weird like backbones of the franchise that everyone takes for granted now. Like and by everyone, I mean like when people walk in and they see the X Men movies and that's all that they've seen, you know, they think a that's the way that it's always been and b that I mean it's such a um, satisfying dramatic core and I guess it's very easy to pitch and very easy for people to understand. I think Mm -hmm. Um, I'm fascinated by the idea that that is how it is. I mean, obviously characters grow and change. It's not like you know Lex Luthor in the Superman movies, or even the Superman universe, is who he was when he first started out. But I, I'm I'm fascinated.
1: No, Cl- Cl- Clare, Claremont did so much mm-hmm. with Magneto more than any other existing character
2: because mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. he didn't do that much to Cyclops, and he really didn't do that much to Professor Xavier.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And he pretty much got rid of all the other characters, but um, right. but Magneto was like his one. Magneto was the one where he's like, I'm gonna flesh this guy out, and the problem is. After that three-part storyline, which ends with Magneto's death, Mm -hmm. you have nowhere to go with the character. Well, yeah. I mean, where do you go again? Does he reform again? Which he does. He's a member of the Mm X-Men again. But it's been Mm -hmm. done.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Like, Claremont has closed off Magneto's character
0: arc. Mm -hmm. It's You know, it's interesting knowing that... um, like, because I didn't follow those final issues, to it really does shed some light. I, I'm I'm willing to give Morrison's new X Men uh, run a little bit more credit, I guess, in terms of him saying, "Oh yeah, you know, ultimately, uh, I always, I don't know if he said I always intended it to be, but he definitely made noises like oh yeah, 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 no, 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 no.' The point of New X Men is, is that it's impossible for there to be New X Men, you know. That that no matter what you try and do, the 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 system always ends up recreating itself as a Claremont story. There's no way to escape it.
1: You know? Which I think has been borne out by everyone. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting to me about Wolverine, the X-Men, the new Jason Aaron book,
2: mm-hmm.
1: is that it's totally Claremont, but it's a different Claremont from the one everyone else has been riffing off since Claremont mm-hmm. left. But it's it's as Claremont. Mm-hmm. It, it's Claremont... Um, it's weirdly Claremont's New Mutants, more than Claremont's X-Men. Hmm. Because I've also been reading a lot of New Mutants lately. Uh, I've, I've been at a crazy X-Men kick. I've also read... So I've read the the uh, New Mutants classic collections, which is mm-hmm. like the original graphic novel all the way up to like issue 49.
2: hmm
1: Pretty much all of the Claremont run. Um, mm-hmm. And I also read the first... X Force hardcover, which is actually the Louise Simon's and Rob Liefeld's New Mutants issues,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, which is fascinating because you see, like, you see basically the, who Cable turned out to be was not who Cable was was when he appeared. You mm-hmm. have all these characters showing up. They're like, "Cable, I haven't seen you for years." <laughs> like, like Mario <laughs> McTaggart is like not surprised to see him at all. And just, <laughs> not, you've not changed, <laughs> like come at, looking back at it now you're like, wow, how does she know who he is? Do you know what I mean? Right. Like this guy's son of, of Cyclops and, and,
0: mm-hmm. in an imaginary reality. And
1: yeah. yeah. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, there's lots of that. But yeah Wolverine Next Men is it feels very much like the Claremont New Mutants to me. Which I love about it.
0: Interesting. The the earlier McLeod stuff or the later Sienkiewicz stuff or both or
1: Um the earlier McLeod stuff and the later Jackson Geis stuff. Mm-hmm. Because the problem with Sinkev problem. The thing about the stuff is Claremont really wrote to these artists. And mm-hmm. so Sienkiewicz comes on. And oh, yeah. so child like all of a sudden the book becomes so much darker. Yeah. So much darker during his run. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. He, uh, there's the demon bear story there's the legion story where all of a sudden it's yeah. like Professor Xavier has an illegitimate bastard son who right. by the way he's, he's basically like a vegetable and <laughs> Professor X isn't even going to take him on Professor X is just going to leave him where he left him yeah. after the story's done like that's really right. f- dark and then when um, yeah. Mary Wiltshire comes on and Sienkiewicz is just inking he fucking kills <laughs> the immunes <immigrants. laughs> he kills them wow He kills them and then they come back and they're brain damaged. And they're like, it's not (laughs) a, I can't remember. They're actually basically zombies for like three issues.
0: Wow. Yeah, no, exactly. I do remember that that transition was just so uh, rough for me when I was reading it at the time. You know, Um, (laughs) I kind of jumped off the book. I was like, this art's amazing. But yeah, no, it was, it was, it was so ultra dark. It's interesting that it still holds up that way.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's when you're reading the collections, especially if you read them, like, in a big batch, with, like, you read the six together like I did. You're like, right. this McLeod stuff, so, you know, it's kind of fun. It's kind of like, holy shit, what just happened? Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, and it's weird. I've really got to give Claremont credit, for whatever reason, for rolling with it. I think that's kind of interesting and great, you know? It really was, like, like nothing else on the marketplace at that point because of it, you know? Yeah, and no, he, it's he wasn't he, cutting against it. Claremont was a spectacular writer in his day. Mm-hmm. I really, really, I mean,
1: we said this before, I don't think he gets nearly as much credit he's, as he deserves. Oh, yeah. When you read the original X Men run and when you read his new mutant run,
2: mm-hmm.
1: That, mm-hmm. they're just great. They're just mm-hmm. spectacular runs and spectacular runs for so long as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, for huge amounts of time. Um. Yeah, no, it's true, uh, and I think part of that, of course, is because because Claremont didn't go away. the The old you know, better to to burn out than fade away thing really sort of applies in some ways with Claremont. I mean, not really. I'm glad he's still alive. I'm glad he's still making a living. In theory, people. Have enjoyed other things that he I mean, Lord knows he was doing you know X Men forever for your the enjoyment of you in a, a twisted few there for a while. You
1: know? No, but it's true. I mean, I so I've also reread, like I told you, I read his New Excalibur and I read his um, New Exiles recently. And they're mm-hmm. they're shadows of his former work,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: they're also compellingly readable in a way that so many modern comics aren't.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. I know it's very strange. If if you have a chance to get the um, X Men Omnibus and X Men Omnibus Two mm-hmm. out of the library, because I mean they're big chunks of book. Um, they basically run from I think it's X Men Two Forty Five to X Men Two Eighty, and then the first ten issues of X of the following X Men X Men series. Plus mm-hmm. there's, I think eight issues of X Factor in there. The Claremont scripted. Wow. Um. Like, it's basically all of the Shadow King storyline that Claremont set yeah. up. Uh, and then, of course, he resigns and walks off the book at the very end of that story. As in, <laughs> he doesn't get to write the end of that storyline. Because he's, he's walked. And then, he, and then he came back for his three-issue severance with the, the launching X-Men. Man. It, I feel really bad for him, because literally, he... You know the story about him resigning, right? Mm-hmm. That he, that uh, he, literally walk, he literally walked off and then agreed to come back for the first three issues of
0: X-Men as his severance. That's interesting. I didn't know that. I knew that he'd walked, and I had heard that he'd walked because the editor essentially sided with Jim Lee on yes, storytelling yes. choices yeah. and decisions.
1: Yeah. So, um, But he writes the first... He writes half an issue of the first issue... Of the wrap-up of the Shadow King story, and that's it. And that storyline then goes on for another four issues.
0: Good lord! After all the time setting that up.
1: Yeah, because he set up. I mean, it's years. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. years of him setting that storyline up. I, I I can't I can't imagine how he felt walking away
0: from that. I I can't either I mean uh, you know I mean I think I think there's just that that, I don't know it's it's, I'm sure he probably did not feel great let's put it that way
1: well there's the apocryphal story that he said he felt fine and then he immediately got in a car crash (laughs) (laughs) and he was like apparently I'm not feeling fine Finally, he was like, "I am. I am surprised at how calm I am feeling about this major decision." And then he like runs his car into someone else's.
0: Then oh, it was like, Jesus. "Oh, I guess not." Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you know it's a shame. Uh, having sat near him and heard him talk, I he is kind of uh, an excruciating bore. Um, which is a shame <laughs> because. It would be kind of wonderful to have someone write an actual biography of him, you know, like and just have it all in there because he really is like, uh, you know, it, it could be, you know, it could be like an Errol Morris documentary all but. You know, just in, just in terms of for people who I don't think, even the people who think they know most of the stories probably don't know all of the stories, and it would be pretty mind-boggling. I would
1: love to see, I mean, I know that Morrison and Alice have other documentary films. I'd love to see a Claremont film. Hmm. Or oral tough. history. I've just finished The Oral History of MTV. Right. Uh, I'd love to see an oral history of Claremont, John, and the X-Men.
0: Yeah, something like that something I'd like to, it would definitely be something cause having it be like the Ellis or the Morrison things where you actually have Claremont talk about Claremont so painful, but reading him about it would be a little easier. And then in theory, hopefully, you know, it could be judiciously edited, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it would be, it would be fat. He's, he's such a fascinating figure within, within comics, the comics field. In a, in a way that everyone's like, you say that, and people just roll their eyes and like, well, yeah, of course, but never in any sort of like, but let's look at him under the magnifying glass.
1: Yeah, no, no one is ever like, no, really, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I honestly think you can trace like Alan Moore's stuff back to Claremont. Mm-hmm. You can definitely trace Morrison back to Claremont. You can definitely trace mm-hmm. Miller back to Claremont.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's it. He's just this huge fountain. I think you can you can trace Bendis back to Claremont. I think oh god, you can trace, totally, Yeah, you know, just all all these guys and all this stuff. Like, can can you can see it coming from this source? And but also just such a strange. He's such a strange guy, and in such such a strange position to be in, you know. Because there really is somebody, you know. It's hard to think of a guy who uh, what I guess was never really seemed to be that flashy about being an, an auteur, I suppose, you know? Um, you you know, on the other hand, clearly has a huge, like is hugely interested in talking about himself again from having encountered him. Uh, You know, he's clearly full of himself, and yet not full of himself in this weird, like, you know, I'm the greatest son of a bitch to ever write comic books ever, you know? He's just kind of like, oh, kind of that comic book nerdy thing of like, oh, yeah, this is really interesting, and I would love to tell you this story, and you'll never guess what, you know, Howard Mackey said to me kind of thing you know uh just like no don't talk to it. tell us a little bit more about why the hell you thought that it was uh, like at what point did you decide to start having your dominatrixes dress up as your characters you know that that sort of thing you
1: know and that time stories he'll never tell us
0: right and it's a goddamn shame cuz it really would be fascinating
1: oh no i'm I telling mean, you i i would read a tell all memoir from chris claremont any day of the week I think even the stuff that he would tell would be fascinating. Because he sure. was there – he started, what, the early 70s at Marvel as oh, an yeah. intern yeah, or yeah, late yeah. 60s? Exactly. Like he yeah, was yeah, there yeah. for so much of it and he saw it become mm-hmm. Marvel as – not maybe not as we know it today, but definitely Marvel as we knew it pre-bankruptcy, which is the massive well, yeah. change.
0: Yeah, it's huge. I mean it's huge. I mean he really did go – was there through more eras and and more – and successfully Through more errors. Yeah
1: exactly you know I mean? like he, he was there as I mean X-Men Was a best selling comic Pretty much continually During all that time
0: Yeah, He, he I mean, ruled the roost For like 15 years 15 years Under very Very different regimes Under very different regimes You know it, There's There's a huge jump From when he was there I was like ah, And Archie Goodwin Said to me To yeah And then Jim Shooter Said to me You know And then boom And then you know, <laughs> and uh, then I Udyansky, quit. He said to me, "Yeah, exactly." You know, and then I had to walk off because it had become this other thing that had been built in so so many parts and pieces out of you know such a huge chunk of it was it was me. I, and the hilarious thing is,
1: they cl- they sided with the wrong people. Like they sided mm-hmm. with Jim Lee, and Jim Lee was gone within a
0: year. Well, because because it didn't it didn't just stop just there. You know. Although, that being said, I have been fascinated by watching people uh, on Twitter and on uh, other articles sort of argue for Image Comics, I suppose, for the early days of Image Comics. That seems to be the sort of critical reappraisal tug-of-war going on a little well, bit. Well, it's its and 20th anniversary, so yeah, you're going to get that. You're going to get – you didn't understand – I mean, you've read Super Gods, right? Uh, no, I still haven't read Super Guts. Uh, although I think actually it was your comment to Joe Keating about it that made yeah. me start thinking about this.
1: Morrison basically has this this theory that image comics are great because they are an American version of punk reaction to everything that has happened before. hmm What he basically says is it's not to my taste and it wasn't to my taste then, but that's because I wasn't a 14-year-old in Idaho. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that what it like it was so full of passion, so full of energy, and so anti intellectualism that it was punk. It just wasn't punk because he was prepared to accept it. And I Hmm. I think I think there's there's definitely a valid reading like that. Yeah. Um I wish I I could see it that way. Yeah, I I, I feel I feel that's almost
0: too uh, too polite i guess yeah, yeah. Too polite. Because,
1: I mean, because it's it's true but it's also not true because a lot of image isn't we want to be free as much as we want more money from this we want to own our own stuff which feels yeah. which feels anti-punk right
0: do you know what well, i mean yeah, like it I feels mean, very yes. corporate mm-hmm. oh yeah no, no 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 because it's um it's not punk it's facebook you know what i mean like, it's the, it's the first of the internet startups before there was an internet and a startup, you know? It's a bunch of guys who go out and do their own thing because what they want is, you know, they basically, they want to be the ones that can, like, drive themselves to golf courses. But, you know, to me, Image is a... Um, the The values inherent on it are still so appalling to me, you know, because so much of it was not just we want more money or we want to own the rights or we want to be the ones that make the, you know, the fruit of our labors. That's all fine, you know, I, for me. But, but the stages of like, yeah, we're going to get there and we're basically going to create, you know issues that are jam packed with characters that are just potential toys and we don't like having other writers tell us what to do because they have a tendency to put in too many crowd scenes you know like Mm -hmm. I still remember Todd McFarlane was like yeah you know uh, David Michelini wanted me to draw every time I turned around it was a new army of thugs and I just didn't want it it was like that was just too much work and that was it there was a huge chunk of it image was just so much of the yeah that's too much of what I don't want to do you know what I really want to do is I want to make a lot of money and I want to set up my own work for hire studio you know
1: yeah um, I do I, I want to draw splash pages every couple of pages so I can resell them
0: yeah 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 I mean if punk was a reaction against something like I don't ever want to be Pink Floyd you know um image was very much like the yeah yeah no I, I want to be Pink Floyd and um get me up there on that stage you know and, and I'm big enough and and in fact now I've bought the auditorium and anyone who wants to come see you know again to me it's really it's much closer to, to the Facebook concept of like well no we have the right to make something and if everyone likes it we have the right to profit off them any way possible because that's that's the American dream you know
1: oh how ironic that you say that when we've been talking about Watchmen all the time <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so true. I think that's a good place to stop, sir. I think you're right. I think you're right. I,
1: I, I apologies to everyone because we really, literally made it like three questions into this. <laughs> Um We coming up we, in 2013. I was going to say next week, barring another crazily dramatic, divisive thing that I start off saying I'm bored about and don't want to talk about, and then we talk about for more than an hour. Right, um, <laughs> I just so funny, I'm like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm over this, and you're like, are you? Yes, let me
2: explain to you for an hour why I'm over it. <laughs>
1: Oh, man. Uh, yeah, that, hopefully next week we will actually get to your questions pro- uh, properly, and yes. you know, I, I really don't think there's going to be anything that's going to get us as... I, it's not even like we're arguing. I think we're both ambivalentizing each other. Yes, we are. Well, we're we're I, both like, I don't know how I feel. I don't know how I feel. Well, you could say this. Well, you could say this. Whoa, 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 whoa. That was it for like an hour. Everyone, I have no idea if it was listenable or not. I'm
0: really sorry. <laughs> You know, I think it's going to be interesting, because I do think that I, one thing that's great is we're both hugely ambivalent about it and well-behaved, but I nonetheless feel that we're sort of on opposite end, like. No, I was going to say, I think we're ambivalent in different directions. In different directions, exactly. So, I kind of think that that might be, hopefully that'll end up being a more... Um, refreshing sort of conversation than the, uh, you know, no, I don't suck, you suck um, sort of (laughs) tones that has been taking place on the internet. No, but to be fair, I suck. (laughs) <laughs> no no man, believe me. I, I can I, I'm the one who's sucking here. I actually referred to Henry Higgins and Mary Poppins while referencing Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. So.
1: I, think, I think that's a good sign that you do not suck. <laughs> I don't I, <laughs> I think you actually that might work I, in opposition to your original intent.
0: Let's let's leave that up to the listeners, let's put it that way. Listeners. Alright. It's overseas. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Thanks for Bye. your patience in the stairs. <laughs> oh, that's so
2: perfect.